radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Oh, there Watched out by Marty Sedoui. Richards held the puck in. Markov stepped in front of Hagelin. Hagelin. Marty Sedoui has some room. He shoots. He scores! Thirteenth, two thousand and twenty. Still feels weird saying that. I am uh, I'm James Cole of the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and I'm Bruce Pataglia of the North Side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's that going? What's going on? Uh, good. I'm re- I'm doing my uh, my um, report cards for the Toronto Maple Leafs through this point of the season. Okay. I uh, I want to backdate that a few a few nights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone, everyone's ranking going into tonight. It's dropping down uh, a quarter of a grade okay. at this point. Tough, yeah, tough. Third future. of a third of a grade, I guess. Yeah. So Austin Matthews is going from an A plus to an A. Hmm. You know, Cody Cece's going from an F to a <laughs> wow F minus. Ooh. No, he's not that low. Hmm. I don't know if there's going to be an F. I don't know if anyone's really failed as a Leaf that isn't like already gone. You know what I mean? Like, I probably would have given, like, was, Nick Shore an F, but he's gone. Was Hutch close until uh, recently? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, until recently, I don't know. Luckily, I'm writing it now and not a month and a half ago. Fair. So. Some heavy news uh, to yeah. kick, kick off. Um, Neil Pert passes away at the age of 67. Uh, notable longtime drummer of the band Rush. Uh, Canadian icon. Primary lyricist. Yeah. Shocking. In a word. Uh, it, it, it's tough news, yeah, for sure. I, um, definitely had hope that maybe one day I would see Rush, and then they did their farewell tour, and I didn't go, so I don't <laughs> know what the hell I'm waiting for, I was waiting for, like, you know what I mean, but, um, yeah, it's uh, tough. Any, any band these days does a farewell tour, it's, you know, it's, well, it's the first of ten. Stones are on farewell tour number twelve at this point, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, um. I didn't even know he was sick. Like that—that's kind of where I was coming from with the shocking, uh, you know, aspect of of that whole thing. I, I knew that they had quote unquote retired from playing, and I knew uh, Alex Lyson was having trouble even picking up his guitar. Uh, but you know, at no point did I consider that any of these guys were actually like you know, you know, terminally ill or uh, anything like that. And uh, yeah, then the news broke, and that's one of those I, again. We talked about it when it was. Uh, you know the passing of Gord Downey. You know that's that's one of those guys in 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 music lore for Canada 
that just kind of stands out and you think about the band rush and 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 what they mean to the you know the country and, and you know the history of our our cultural you know society neil pert was always just you know he's just a, a little bit above the other two guys in the band like you know i i think most people know getty lee and i, I would well, they're both talented yeah um, I would think most people know Geddy Lee, and fewer than even know Alex Lifeson. But Neil Pert was always like, you knew everybody Neil knows Pert. Neil Pert. Yeah. yeah. And, well, he's, uh, he's in my opinion the best the best drummer that's ever lived. Hands down. Um, you know, maybe there's more talented people on the kit. Like I, I always get into this argument when you talk about who the most who the best guitarist of all time is, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, sure, Yngwie Malmsteen knows his way around the guitar to an impressive number but what he's actually done with it there isn't that much of a of a track record necessarily sure. and what neil pert was able to do on a mainstream level as the primary you know pace setter for the band i think is is you know second to none you know he, he's the best drummer that's that's ever lived and you know it, it it's nice that we can say he's from canada but at the end of the day, it doesn't change yeah. because he's Canadian. You know, he doesn't get a Canadian bias. Like, it's well universally accepted that he is the best drummer of all time. And it's a big loss. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, uh, I've spent most of my uh, high school days a big fan of Rush. And it was around that time I started getting into music myself. And uh, they were just, they were a band that kind of, uh, you know, rose above. Uh, others, uh, especially from their own time period, and as they move through the decades, they they kind of had this higher calling in terms of of the skill of the guys in the band. And I think when you're a musician that's just starting out, you look at what those guys do with their instruments, and you just you're blown away because you're going holy holy shit! Like I'm I'm here, and I'm impressed with myself. Those guys are doing that, and it wasn't just one guy. It wasn't like you know. Led Zeppelin where it was like wow Jimmy Page is like the greatest and like he's like he's carrying the team or, or whatever like maybe a bad example with Led Zeppelin but you know like you see these bands with one guy that's just like clearly he's the guy that got them to where they are and you could replace every other guy in the band and they'd still be the band because as long as they got that one guy but with Rush it was like well, like Van Halen sure you, you like people would argue without Eddie Van Halen they'd be fucked but they could they could make do without any of the other three. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, they have at some point of the band's, right. you know, life. But Yeah. But Rush was always like, all three of those guys were so good at what they did. And then for them to meet each other and make a band and record for 40 fucking years. Yeah. Uh, stay together that long and, and, and do this their entire lives was just for a, For a three-piece band, it's, it's insane. It sounds like there's six guys on stage. And yeah. there's only three of them. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. You listen to some of their songs and it's like you'll look at the at the studio and it's like, you know, there's clearly like seven instruments in the song and you look at the song and it's like, yeah, all seven instruments were done by one of the three guys at some point of the recording. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They don't need anyone else to help them. They can just do it. Exactly. And know? they pull it off live too. It's one thing to do it in the studio. It's yeah. to go out there and tour and, and not miss a beat. Did you see them? No. You didn't see them? Eh? No. Came pretty close. I was, I was, had my finger on the on the mouse for their show in Minneapolis at the last uh, the last tour, but yeah, didn't work out. Favorite um, Rush song? I was just gonna ask you that. Um, Spirit of Radio. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hard not to. It's hard not to like. I remember the radio. I remember learning it in guitar class. It was like you know I'd, I'd fall in love with the band in grade like nine, and by grade twelve I had learned how to play the guitar for it. And for me, like learning guitar was kind of second fiddle to you know the bass, which I was kind of focused on, but for me to learn a whole guitar song was a big deal for me because I'd like, oh, I'd learn a riff and just give up and move on to the next riff and say, oh, mm-hmm. I can play this. But I actually just like sat down, learned the whole thing. Um, so that kind of stuck with me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You? It's Time Stand Still or Subdivisions, which Ooh. are vastly different songs, but nice. uh, one of the two. Yeah. Neil Pert with the rare uh, singing uh, credit on Subdivisions yeah. with the Subdivisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well... Was a man of few words. He, he, <laughs> he, knew, he knew how to uh, accent his his vocal abilities to their yeah. to their strength. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, worth mentioning. Yeah, at the start of the episode, uh, Neil Pert passed away at sixty-seven. Yeah. yeah. On to hockey. Ray, uh, big news today. Ray yeah, Shiro. Yeah, breaking news right now. Pretty Ray much. Ray Shiro out in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. Hit the road, Ray. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, there were, there were a few other little things I wanted to talk about today that we're, we're going to have to push aside because, uh, I mean, this, this is, this is fairly significant. The part for me that I'm, I'm kind of baffled by with the whole Shiro thing is how many people on hockey Twitter are shocked by this. And I mean, it's bizarre timing. Yeah. For sure. That's it for me. But my thing here is that, they're they're not. This isn't going to get better. Like the, he's dug too deep a hole to get himself out of. I think at this point, I think we've known that for a while. Evidently, the Devils didn't know that, and and at some point, their ownership and management group have made the decision in the past few days that it's best to move on from Ray Shiro. And you know, I, I guess it's better that they realize that sooner rather than later, before it's too late. I would argue that, you know, this should have come a long time ago. Uh, one of the things that got that got me that I, I really don't understand was, you know, people on Twitter, too, defending that, well, you know, it just goes to show that when you swing for the fences in this league that, that you get punished for it when it doesn't work out rather than, you know what I mean, the best thing to do is just to sit on your hands and wait and wait and be conservative. And my answer to that is that was Ray Shiro trying. Because if that's Ray Shiro trying, he should have been fired a long time ago. He he didn't like he didn't swing for what's swing for the fences, fucking Nikita Gusev swinging for the fences. This isn't swinging for the fences. It's it's nothing even fucking close. He, he acquired one defenseman at a massive discount. He signed a Russian free agent, which is probably the way to go nowadays, and that's it. And to to me, this is this is nowhere fucking close to swinging for the fences. Yarmo Kekalainen swung for the fences, and guess what? He still has a job. So, like, don't give me this bullshit about y- you get punished for trying and and rewarded for sitting on your hands. Because uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that he sat on his hands more than anyone else. But I certainly don't think this is Ray Shiro trying, given the fact that I've seen him run a team in Pittsburgh. That I think he was trying, and I think he did a decent job in Pittsburgh. I, I think it's a it's a line drive at, at you know at worst here because I mean you say he acquired a defenseman like let's let's be honest it's, it's PK Subban 
a, a PK Subban isn't being traded every offseason. And, and, you know, granted, he hasn't been PK well, Subban. Yeah, I was going to say. For... And that's fair. But you don't know that. He wouldn't even make the all offseason team of guys who were traded. Sure. But you don't know that in June. <laughs> no. Right. So you go out there, and, and I, honestly, I, I think Ray Shiro's sitting there going, I got one year left to Taylor Hall. I got, I got a former MVP on my roster that I'm probably losing if I can't hit a home run. So he goes out, and I, I think he did pretty much the best that you can do in a, in a short window. I give him credit for doing something. For sure. It's better than doing nothing at all. We look at... But this like, wasn't anything that was going to... Like, even when we did our predictions, this wasn't anything that was going to turn them into a contender. They were just going to be slightly more dangerous, uh, maybe. A contender, no. But I, I think you're looking at the roster and you're, and you're going, well, Nico, he's just 21. And he was great last year. Maybe he'll be even better this year. We're, we're getting the first overall pick. You know what? And, and maybe it's not best to hang your season on that. But look what the Toronto Maple Leafs did a couple seasons ago when they had Austin Matthew just walk in off the street and drag them to the playoffs. Uh, you, you go well. Yeah, but it wasn't just Austin Matthews. That's it was difference, right? Like it wasn't. But with you, Jack you Hughes coming in, him. there was no Marner coming with Jack Hughes this year. There was no Nylander. Like the, like the only kid that came up this year was Hughes. They didn't bring in any other high end rookie that maybe was going to freshen this up because they don't have any, and that and that's Ray Shiro's fault. Again, like I I, I think if you're looking at. Nico Heischer's being within that window. He's, he's only 21 years old. Uh, you'll call him, you know, within that same range as Jack Hughes. You got two first round picks in three years. You got Taylor Hall. You're, you're taking a flyer on a guy like Nikita Gusev. They could have easily taken a flyer on Ilya Mikhaev instead. You know, like, I think the two are very identical in terms of we're going to take a chance on this Russian kid, bring him over. He's been great in the KHL. It worked for one team, it didn't work for the other. I think that's just the luck of the draw. Well, I think I think Gusev's still been fine. Sure. But I'm just saying, like, at his best, he was going to be Panarin. And let's say he was Panarin in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. You still only brought in two pieces to a team that had two pieces to begin with. So this is a team that now has four good players at best. And maybe we're going to say five at best other NHL players. Like, this is a team where a lot of these guys are not going to be in this league in a few years. A lot of them. This this is a very, very weak roster, and it's a roster that Ray Shiro put together. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I I commend him for what he did. I can see how people are, are taking that stance of, well, he, you know, he, he went up there, he went to work, he made some trades, he made some signings, he got the big draft pick, uh, he, he kind of did what he could, and, uh, you know, what? At the end of the day, it didn't work out for him. I'm, I'm really surprised, like you said, with the timing. Um, you know, I think typically when you fire a coach, it, it buys the GM, you know, at least a few months. Uh, you know, get my guy sort of sort of thing. And uh, ownership obviously didn't see it the same way. And and, uh, and he sent packing. But, um, yeah, interesting to see where they go next uh, as a franchise. Uh, no official GM replacement named yet. Uh, you and I are assuming it's going to be Tom Fitzgerald that just keeps the job moving forward here, unless. Uh... Well, it, it, he definitely is the interim anyway. He, he's doing the job now in the short term. He is a guy who has interviewed for NHL jobs in the past to be an NHL general manager. Didn't get any of them, but he is someone who 
I think there is a belief around the NHL community that he does have something to offer. Maybe he isn't going to be the next uh, Doug Wilson or anything, but um, certainly it seems like he's got something to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what's first from where, where does where does Tom Fitzgerald try to fix this? Like, how do you start? Fuck. Well, you I don't got, know. You got two great cornerstone pieces. See, down here, the center. Here's the thing: is like I don't know how many people he has as like right hand men to do paperwork and stuff like that because I would imagine. Uh, to call the NHL and let them know that you're forfeiting the next uh, 26 games. Uh, 36 games? 36 games, I guess. Um, you know, there's got to be a lot of paperwork involved with that. So I would imagine, you know, he needs someone with good strong wrists, good pen work. Um, you know, a good understanding of the English language, I think, would be would be helpful. Um, filling out those documents can be tricky. You know, honestly, if there's a couple lawyers on the payroll... Um, you know they're 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 definitely going to be good at at you know reading between the lines and, and stuff like that to make sure that you know they're not they're not signing something they shouldn't be signing for sure. You know what I mean? That they're signing an actual forfeit document, not um, you know something that's going to sell the team to John Spano or something like right. that. So right, um, yeah, I think as long as as long as they can forfeit the next thirty six games properly, then I think they'll be okay. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds pretty easy actually. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough. Like, Mackenzie Blackwood's doing as well as he can do there. But it, I feel bad for the kid getting thrown into this absolute train wreck of a fucking team. Um, they've recalled Corey Schneider today prior to uh, the Ray Shiro announcement. Hopefully Schneider can be okay enough to play some of these games and take a little bit off of Mackenzie Blackwood. Because it's not easy... For a twenty, what two year old, to have to play net for a team that is a fucking train wreck. Mm-hmm. So, um, but Blackwood, I should add, he is injured. Uh, he he I, is, yeah. yeah. That's, that's short term though, right? So, for now, he'll get some rest. He'll get some time off and uh, see what Schneider can do in, in his return to the NHL. And uh, it's funny that he's he's up with the club now. It wasn't too long ago that we were questioning whether we'd see this guy again. Um, on this on this contract at least. Yeah. So hope he wins a Vesna. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, maybe this maybe this is the answer to their problem. Maybe this is the Jordan Bennington of this season. It's just it's just a thirty three year old Corey Schneider that we didn't know about. Uh. Two first round picks uh, coming up. I think we're getting close to Alexei Lafreniere uh, conversation. Detroit, Say a prayer for Lafreniere. Detroit obviously the clear favorites, but you never know with the lottery. Uh, the big detriment here is the fact that they did trade away Taylor Hall, so they they lose that ability to automatically win right. uh, the draft lottery. Right. Um, yeah, you love you love that one. Right? I do. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And the fact that Hall is going to the playoffs this year, it kind of negates the whole like every year that he's in the league that he misses the playoffs, he gets first overall. And you know the one time he doesn't, it's the Devils. They go to the playoffs, and yeah. So James, well, I mean, I do have some news for you. The fucking coyotes don't look so good lately. <laughs> so no. Uh, yeah. Who's to say is all I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah. A they did get uh, Nick Shalmerson back today. Did lose to the red hot penguins, so you can't blame them that much. But uh, yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, I don't know. I I like. It, it's going to sound weird to say because I I didn't like them growing up, but I I, I like I like the Devils. Uh, in a sense, like I look at I look at that roster, and I'm hoping for the best. I really like Nico Hischier. 
I'd love to see Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, have a, a yeah. you know, notable NHL career. Boy, do you, uh, do you ever love Nico Heischer? Uh I do. Uh, can't miss Swiss if you don't uh, if you don't remember. Um, Ugh. Jack Hughes, I think, is going to be a guy. He's he's obviously going through some stuff in his first year and PK's, had a good first game back tonight. Yeah, he's been out for about eight games. Uh, PK Subban again. That's a guy that I think the NHL needs to be. He's been better of late and be in the spotlight. And he's been better of late. So he has know. a power play point now. I'd, I'd which like is to, good. I'd like to see this team contend in the next couple of years and just get back on track. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at with this group. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think by the time this team is ready to contend, uh, that they're more likely to have Malcolm or Jordan Subban on the roster than PK. But uh, we'll see. Isn't there a fourth uh, Subban brother coming up uh, shortly? The youngest one up for the draft soon. Uh, Maybe we'll get him. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought there was only three. Okay. Oh, I think there's a cousin, right. though. Ooh. I think. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone in the NHL is related somehow. Yeah, I, I talked to his parents for 30 seconds 11 years ago. I don't really remember much of the family tree. Nice. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh... More uh, more firing news. Boy, this is a de- depressing start to the podcast. Nah, we'll pick it up later. Don't worry. We got We just gotta get. We gotta get through some business here. Ugh. That's that's it. Ugh. Housekeeping. Yeah. Um, it's better to do it now, and then we rise above it at the end. I guess we got so. some happy stuff. We got a game. We got an all new top ten. We got lots of fun coming. Okay, that's good. Movie updates. I, I watch some movies. You I'm, know, we'll get on. We'll get to that later. Okay, I can deal with that. This this is like the. This is like the March before, you know, the spring starts, and then you get to enjoy spring. This is like the part of the Oscars where they do best short foreign film with subtitles. Come on. And then do the In Memoriam, and it's fucking David Grohl singing Blackbird. <laughs> just fucking tears streaming down your face. What's still in the cast? James, just... James Taylor, eh? Okay. <laughs> All right, well... Pretty things and fly machines... From In one, pieces uh, on the ground. What? From one New Jersey Devil fire to another, uh, John Hines has been hired. Yeah. In Nashville, Peter Laviolette. Yeah. See ya. You're yeah. Out. This is a tough one for me because I really, really like Peter Laviolette, um, like a lot. He's one of my favorite coaches of all time. Uh, everything I know about him, anyway. I mean, you know, I, I've never been in a room with him, so that could change. But everything I've, uh, everything he has to offer in interviews, and a lot of his former players, things they have to say about him, like he just seems like a really good guy, a really good coach. Um, he's always been kind of famous for the being one of the only coaches that seems to be able to pull off the hybrid sort of tough love, but also like a players' coach type thing, which is you know an interesting dynamic, especially nowadays. And he's always been kind of famous for it, so I think that. I think it's a fine move. I don't necessarily think that he was all of the problem there, but I do think this team could benefit from a new voice. Um, he has been there a long time. I don't know if I necessarily buy the uh, every coach's message grows stale eventually sort of thing. I, I don't buy that necessarily, but I do think that might have been the case here. And I think they'll benefit from a, from a change. So... You know, I, I wish Peter Laviolette the best that this will not be the last time he coaches in the National Hockey League, I can tell you that. But when he's going to have that next job, it kind of remains to be seen. He'd be a great fit for a Seattle team because 
regardless if you draft a good team or a bad team, he should be the type of coach that is able to work with whatever roster you give him. And that's kind of what he's done to this point of his career. So I wish him the best. It's unfortunate, but I think it's the right move for Nashville because uh, they got to do something. This is a team that very, very quickly could turn into the San Jose Sharks where this roster could be a fucking disaster because the Predators are also all in right now. There's not a lot of like wiggle room in terms of some of these contracts. They got Ryan Johansson locked up at $8 million a year. They're still paying Pekka Rene a decent penny, albeit not for that much longer, but they are. Um, you know, like they could be on the hook for Shea Weber's contract, depending how that all turns out uh, in, in the long term here. Matt Duchesne makes a lot of money and hasn't been great this year. Kyle Turris was not even in the lineup a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, so so they'll benefit from a little bit of change here. They got to they gotta get their ass in gear a little bit. Um, I like the John Hines hiring there, though. Do you? Yeah. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Didn't get that one. I, I. But what 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 do you like? That's the thing. Like I I get the whole, you know. Like I I'm not a big fan of the recycling of coaches, but I I'm I've I don't see any fucking track record on. Like as far as I'm concerned, John Hines is a new coach, because he's never had an NHL team at the NHL, and. I'd like to see what he can do with some actual talent. Like, the fourth best player that John Hines has ever coached as a forward is Marcus Johansson, who's not very good. So, you know, I'm interested to see what he can do with the Predators. Um, There are a few other guys, maybe DeBoer, maybe Babcock, but it's hard to go completely outside of the NHL when you're in season. I think that's one hard thing, is to bring in a guy who's never coached before mid-season and expect to to win like that's tough i'd love to see lane lambert get a job but he's never ran an nhl bench and it's tough to get a guy to do that in the middle of january with a team that as far as i'm concerned has a little bit of pressure on them right now pressure for sure um i i don't know the the john hines thing is it's just weird to me it read like he gets fired from new jersey and nashville turns to each other and says that's our guy. We gotta we gotta have John Hines right now. He's the hot ticket. He just got fired. Let's let's make our move now. And I just I don't I don't get it. Like I, I don't know what you're looking at out of John Hines as the Nashville Predators, where you're saying, like this is like this is our window. It is closing quickly. Let's bring a guy in that's made the playoffs once in his NHL career with a bad roster. I'll give you that you know, that point is, is fair. He's never had a great team to work with. Right. But why not chase down a Peter DeBoer who has a track record wow. of actually coaching a good team, taking them to the playoffs, and having some success in the playoffs instead of a guy that, yeah, you know what? He had a tough go in New Jersey, but he still hasn't done it. He still hasn't been there. He's still never come in midway through a season to take over a team. And DeBoer, is- DeBoer would be the one I, I understand the argument. My understanding is that DeBoer is in a position right now where he doesn't want to get back in unless it's for a significant amount of money. And the Predators were not willing to basically go to that number. Oh, then don't fire And, and, and that's... I don't know. Okay, I, I, I'm i saying here, in my honest opinion, that I don't think John Hines is any worse of a coach than Peter DeBoer. Because I have never seen John Hines coach 
an actual what I would consider an NHL roster. Uh, and I've seen Peter DeBoer not do great with San Jose, albeit that team doesn't look any better without him. So it, it's hard to say. I like Peter DeBoer, but I don't think that he would have been any better of a choice than John Hines. Yeah. I think Hines is a better fit for the system, and that's a big thing for me. I, I don't really know that DeBoer is the right coach for that team, given his style. Hmm. That's yeah. my thing. Well, you could be right. I just, I don't know. It, to me, it seemed like an odd choice. Uh, you know, if that's if that's the guy, like, I'd almost turn to the assistant coaches at that point and, you know, hand the team over to them in Nashville because you're, you're dealing with such a, a, like, a limited window of opportunity here to go to what is essentially an unproven guy in John Hines and say, here's the keys to the Cadillac, don't get a scratch on it because this might be the last ride we have in it. I don't know. It's it's a tough sell for... If I was a Nashville Predators fan, I'd be pretty nervous right now. That's all. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I would be if the assistant coaches were taking over the team. I, I don't know. I, I think I think I, I think it's just a matter of some people don't have any confidence in John Hines and some people do. And I think what it comes down to is just how people evaluate the Devils over the last four, four years for me because if you think John Hines is a bad coach, then it also means that you think Damon Severson is like a top two NHL defenseman, you know, because that's all he's had. So, sure. you know, like it's just, it's a matter of how you look at what happened in New Jersey, I think. And um, to me, it with a grain of salt to me, it's exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. you know, this is, this is how we're going to find out. I think. Yeah. I don't think you can just discredit what happened in New Jersey and say, that's doesn't matter. It's off the books, you know, never happened. He's fresh start. Well, no, it, it well, happened. He's, you he's, can, but it's a well, risky way to look at things. That's all. It might be. Yeah. I, I, I choose to look at it that way, but I might be very wrong. Yeah. And I, John Hines is one guy with Nashville's roster that I'm not even that crazy about to begin with, but I'd be willing to double down and say that this is going to be a playoff team and that I'm not so sure that he's going to lead them to a Stanley Cup, but I think this is the change they needed right now. Mm. Yeah, well, and you know they looked great today against the Jets. Like the, the the Jets are are not you know setting the world on fire or anything this year, but the they took advantage significantly of the Jets today, and and it was it was pretty impressive. It was not a style that I've seen the Predators play this year. Just a confident, well structured group today. They looked very organized. They deserved every. They deserved the win for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the big storylines in New Jersey under uh, John Hines, of course, was the uh, struggles of his goaltenders. Uh, Corey Schneider didn't really provide much help while he was there. Mackenzie Black Not towards the end, anyway. No. There was a year um, where Schneider was otherworldly. but Yeah. Was that under Hines, though? His first Hines year with there. Schneider was yeah. really good. But that was when Schneider got hurt. Mm. And then once, once he lost Schneider... You know, they made the playoffs the next year, but that was because Keith Kincaid turned into fucking Dominic Hasek for three right. weeks and, yeah. and they won every game like two to one despite getting outshot like forty to ten. So so the big the big problem, like I mentioned, it was the goaltending for a lot of those seasons for John Hines. Uh, and you come to to Nashville and you're kinda of thinking, Oh, okay, Nashville, Pecorine, Yusisaros, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. Pump the I brakes mean, there, John. Because uh, I, mean, I mean, here's one thing too, and I kind of feel bad for John Hines. Like to your point, is the is uh, those of you who uh, what this is what episode sixty three of Laced Up. 
Mm. Uh, those of you who have listened to most of these episodes of this podcast, I'm sure that there's one hockey take that you guys are aware of that I have, and that is that I have always thought Pekka Rinne is fucking sketchy. And uh, yeah, he's been fucking pretty sketchy this year. So, don't love that for, for John Hines. I don't necessarily love nor hate UC Saros. He's kind of small, but he knows how to make it work. So, yeah, uh, he I, looked really good today. I, I do like Saros. Um, I'm surprised to see he's not he's, bad. he's doing as, as poorly as he is. He's still yeah. pretty young. He's only 24. This is right around that age where you'd expect your, you know, your franchise goalie, so to speak, to take that next step and put the team on his back and, you know, maybe take the reins away from the number one guy. And so far, you know, under Laviolette, they've, they've kind of been splitting the time between Rene and Saros. Yeah. Neither guy's really been able well, to get into a rhythm. It, it's and, tough. Like, just to, to, to go back to Laviolette and the way the Predators were playing, and I'm not I'm not going to necessarily blame Laviolette for everything, but he definitely had a lot to do with, um, you know, the, the Predators this year under Laviolette didn't play with the puck enough. Like, that, that, that's just the way it was. And... You know, the issue is that they have a really good decor, right? And that's kind of the, the part of the team that everybody looks at um, as being, like, the identity of the team. The problem is is that if the defense are forced to defend for 35, 38 minutes of the 60-minute tw- the game, then the defense are no fucking good because when they're out there for, you know, 18 minutes a night and 14 of that, they're, they're playing, their team's playing without the puck then they're overworked and they're no fucking good. It doesn't matter how good of a defenseman you are. Like you can't you can't like Roman Yossi's not particularly amazing defensively anyway. And so when they're fighting to get the puck back all night, you know, Roman Yossi's not that great at winning puck battles and getting the puck back. So, you know, like that that was part of the problem this year was that the def- the defense would just get overworked and overloaded. And eventually, you know, they're going to allow a high danger scoring chance. And eventually those those shots are going to go in. And, um, you know, not that the goaltenders were really doing them much favor anyway. But, but yeah, it, it's just the structural change if they can find a way to defend a little bit less um, and get the forwards to step up and have yeah. the puck a little bit more. And another thing that hurts too is when you're relying on your forwards to, to try and, and have the puck and one of your top six forwards, arguably one of the most important players on your team, is fighting with the head coach and isn't playing every night. And when he is playing, he fucking sucks because he's on the fourth line playing a chip and, chip and, and gun kind of style when he's more of like a puck handler when we're talking about Kyle Turris here. Like, he was a major, major acquisition for them and they basically didn't use him the first half of the year here. So... Now that Hines comes in, like, Turris scored the only, or, yes, Turris scored the only goal today and played really well. So, to me, that opens up, like, that's a, it's almost like they traded for a top six forward this week in getting Kyle Turris back. Because now he's not fighting with fucking John Hines, and uh, at least not yet. Yeah. So, I don't know. Turris has been an interesting guy, eh? his career, like, the contract holdout in Arizona and, and didn't want to play there. Gets traded to Ottawa. Things seemingly go quite well there. And then, you know, gets traded. Clearly wasn't happy about it. Does okay in Nashville and now has, you know, issues with his coach here in Nashville. Like, Turris is one of those guys I've heard a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about. I like Kyle Turris. I think he's great. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an interesting career that he's had. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. Like, you look at Nashville and, and you go, okay, the goaltending hasn't been great. But you're right, on the flip side, the, the offense hasn't really been stellar, especially when we're talking about guys like Forsberg, you know, Duchesne, Johansson, Torres comes to mind, uh, Victor Arvidsson. You know, none of these guys have really taken, you know, the next step in terms of uh, pr- production. You know, Roman Yossi leads the team in points right now, leads the team in uh, the second on the team in goals right now. Um, and you need more out of your offense. Like, you know, the guys got to start scoring uh, these big contracts on the front end. You know, they got to start producing. And I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's been tough. I think if I think if John Hines can get, get that going, then, you know, maybe there's a, an argument to be made that they can make some noise. And um, leading the offense at the moment, it, it looks like this guy's going to take him and put him on, her, on his back and, and just kind of lead the way. Uh, Pecorine going going bar down uh, yeah. at willy nilly here. So uh, willy nilly might might be the uh, might be the the new foundation, the new core of this offense. Uh, currently outscoring uh, Dan Hamhuse, uh, Matt Irwin, uh, Yannick Weber, uh, UC Saros. Well, I mean, back up, you know, he's not getting a lot of time, but uh, yeah, Pecorine. Did you hear about this? Just. The la the last point I want to make that's kind of interesting ah. about their goaltending though, like has been and and just to defend Pekarene a little bit after I chirped him, Ooh. is of goalies who have played more than ten games this year in the NHL, Pekarene does have the fourth best high danger save percentage. Like he really hasn't been. So he's getting beat by shit that shots. Bad. He just saying. yeah he sketches yeah. me out okay. a little bit is what I'm saying, but. Ultimately, he's a real Andrew Raycroft, is what you're saying. All, but what I'm saying is, if they could play better hockey in front of him, he might bounce back. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, his confidence is is sky high because uh, yeah, he's ripping them goals like no tomorrow. Yeah, pretty Se- cool. Second finish goalie to score a goal in an NHL game. Pretty cool. Yeah, can you name the first? First finish goalie to score. Fuck, I was just looking at the list of guys. Uh, came against the Leafs. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Uh. Fuck. What's his name? Uh. Mika Nornan. Mika Nornan. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. I saw everyone. Robert on... Reichel. Thanks for nothing. Yeah. Saw a few people on Twitter. Uh, oh, he's yeah. the, the first first Finnish goalie. No, he's not. <laughs> well, he's the first Finnish goalie to <laughs> actually shoot the puck yeah. into another Give net. That. Yeah, for sure. Um. Thanks, Robert Reichel. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Man. There's nothing I love more than a goalie goal. Uh, that night where the Leafs were leading and Frederick Anderson just kept like kept looking like he was going to go for it but the Leafs were only like up by one and I'm thinking like come on can you stop trying to play the puck even like you're fucking not good at it he's going for a goal I'm at like I I can't wait for when Frederick Anderson inevitably scores a goal one day and then people like 20 30 years from now are going to be like man that Leafs goalie Freddie Anderson must have been pretty good with the puck no oh god no well you know it's wild absolutely not it's it's wild when you're talking about Freddie Anderson because he's got he, he ends up with so many assists for whatever reason, that he's like third in gives Danish up all, scoring. Gives up all these rebounds. <laughs> he's third in Danish he's scoring. He's like third all time in Danish <laughs> scoring. So I'm just convinced that he's like getting the puck. He's trying to score oh all these goals God. just to rise up the national leaderboard here. You know, it's it's like it's Hansen and then Ehlers and then I want to say it's Freddie Anderson. Like it's a short. Isn't list. Eller Danish? Okay, yeah, he, and uh, Bjorkstrand, but he'd still be like fifth. How many points is Bjorkstrand? Bjorkstrand's got more points than Frederick okay. Anderson. 
like no? he was he was, up, he was up there at one point. Danish all-time <laughs> scoring leaders. You got to love the content that you get sometimes on this podcast. Like just fucking absolute nonsense. We're going to talk about a Pekarini goal. Oh, here's the Frederick, Danish. Frederick Anderson is oh that's the that's the in order of birth year. Hmm. Frederick Anderson's 10th. You say 10th? Okay. But there are yeah, there are some guys that you know played enough games that it's just kind of funny that yeah. 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 Anybody can catch? Um <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Philip Larson is ninth. Philip Larson has thirty-seven career points. Frederick Anderson is eight. But I mean, if Freddie Anderson starts scoring some goals here, start lobbing you know, Austin up the middle. You know, yeah. just do that for five years. You know, Freddie's only yeah. thirty. What goalies play well into their forties nowadays? Don't exactly. they? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, pick a name. Uh, first goalie into it. goal we've seen since twenty thirteen, I believe. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't see the shoot ones anymore. A lot of the you know last guy to touch it. Believe he was only the seventh goalie to actually shoot the puck into a net, which is pretty cool. Like when you look at it that way, it's it's a seventh it's a lot cooler. Seventh, seventh goalie, seventh really? goalie to do it. Yeah, I only thought like five well because Brodeur did it twice. Three. Did he shoot three? Yeah, I thought he got credit for one of them. Uh, no, he shot three times. Okay, so yeah. but anyway, like yeah, it's pretty cool. He's yeah. he's only yeah. It's a rare list. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. Um. Did you see another one uh, this year? Another one Another one this decade? Another goalie, another goalie shoot the puck in. Wow, yeah. that's fucked. That the, that's a new decade. Um, No. No? That's it for the decade? We're done? Well, I don't know. Like, it's, just, it's just funny because like... You've seen it go so, down. Like, it's it so peaks, rare, but conceivably it could happen all the time. Yeah. Like, it's just the, like... The shoot, yeah the, yeah. the shoot has been going down. I can't believe Carey Price doesn't have a goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? True. Like, There's a lot of And good... Mike Smith, I guess, does... But he didn't shoot yeah. it. I think Mike Smith shot it. Did he shoot it? I think so. Okay. Um, cool. Marty Turco never had one, eh? No. For a guy that liked to come out and play the puck, he yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. But My guy. Yeah. My guy, Marty. Yeah. Well, uh, if... It would have been cool if Cujo scored one, considering like he handled the puck with his backhand as his forehand. True. Like That was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. For those uh, kids that are too young out there to know, uh, Curtis Joseph would catch with his left hand but would handle the puck right-handed, so he would handle it like on his back, his backhand all the time. It was wild. It was like, it was made you nervous all the time. <laughs> like it didn't matter how many times you watched it. Like I got used to it, but it was still kind of like, yeah, this is fucked. Yeah, this is unsettling. You know, the other cool thing about like Rene's goal was like, as soon as you shot it, it was like that's it. Oh yeah, like you know, they're, they're, some of them that they kind of wobble. Colin Murphy like got surprisingly close to considering how like far away he was. It kind of yeah. slowed down at the end, but it like it was still going. Yeah, in. no, he just he took it, and you could just tell he he let it go, and it was just it was on a line. It was just flying into the net. Yeah, and if you want to talk about on a line fly fishing, uh, the wow. only place to do it wow uh, is Airedale. Both great and terrible <laughs> flying in and fishing. Wow. I'll let you take it from like there. like it was shocking that that's what you did with it, but also in the hi- in hindsight, not very good. Eh, but I don't do it very often. Yeah, that's so. that's okay. Good job. Thanks. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting, uh, located in Wawa, Ontario. Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. They have 18 remote outpost camps that help keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Uh, it's host to fish such as brook trout, lake trout, northern pike, pickerel, 
Love a good walleye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Airedale is closed for the season. It's not a an ice. It's not an ice fishing you know shit show or anything out there. We we like our water. We like our boats. You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, you know, come on. You want to go ice fishing? There's 100,000 lakes. Pick one. It's not for you. This isn't a fucking joke here. This is, you know, we're doing some real fishing here. Um, So they are closed for the season, but they do open in mid-May, and they are open until uh, late October. So uh, it's a good idea to begin planning your trip now. Get ahead of the game. Get your plans in order for the summer. I know I have a lot of things I want to do this summer. Haven't even started planning any of them. I'm going to see a couple NHL games in a couple months that I've barely even looked into the price of tickets. But, uh, you know, it's a good idea for a trip like this to start planning it early so that way you got all your ducks in a row and, and everything's, you know, you're you're prepared. You want to do it the right way if you're going to do it. Is what I'm saying. It's yeah. a great it's a great opportunity for bachelor parties, weekends away with the family, with the boys, perhaps with the boys. Good boys trip for sure. If you got a bachelor party coming up, uh, consider Airedale. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Uh, visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information and begin planning your trip to Airedale today. Beautiful. Um, it is uh, getting pretty close to Oscar season. Ooh! Oscar season. Oscar season. Uh, movie update. Yeah. Ooh. What, have you, what have you seen? Wow. What do you like? What's hot? Boy, did I ever watch a lot of movies this week. Remember last Sunday? We're sitting here. It's like, wow, I got a lot of work to do. We got a, we got a, a short month here before we got everything in order. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've watched quite a bit. I'm well prepared. Um, still got a lot of work to do. I would say I'm maybe only like a third, maybe even a quarter of the way through of what I want to watch, but I, I watched more this week than I thought I was going to. Um, I finally watched Joker. It was fine. Just fine. Didn't I didn't I didn't really love it. It was it was it was it was okay. It was well done, but it was just kind of I I like I ever what everyone says to me is like, oh man, it was just but it was realistic. Well, yeah, so is so is Batman kind of. That's the whole idea of this whole thing, you know? So, like, uh, yeah. to me, like, I, that's what I expected. Like, I didn't think the Joker was suddenly going to be fucking growing wings and flying and shit like that. Like, I figured, yeah, he's going to just be the guy that we already know that he is. Didn't really provide me with much that I didn't already know about the Joker. I didn't really think they even really needed to make this movie. However, uh, glad they did in the sense that Joaquin Phoenix was fantastic. And I do love a good two hours of Joaquin Phoenix, especially when he's laughing like a crazy person. And you know what was funny about the movie, uh, spoiler alert here, is when Joaquin Phoenix goes on uh, the, the, the Murray Tillman show or whatever the hell it was called. What was it called? Murray. I don't know. The Murray, I'm just going to call it, something. it's not Murray Tillman, it's not even close to that, but I'm going to call it the Murray Tillman show. He goes on the Murray Tillman show there, and it, Robert De Niro's playing Mur- Murray Tillman, and that is only the second craziest uh, Joaquin Phoenix late night appearance that I've ever seen. Bravo. How crazy is that? Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Um, did you see Joker? You saw it a I long have. time ago. Yeah, right? Like, I, I guess there was no reason to really talk about it before. Yeah, did you enjoy I it? I saw it in theaters. I thought, um, you know, I, I should give it a second go here. Because I I have this problem, and I'll I'll be the first to admit it. That, Where you uh, just laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta show people a card on the bus, yeah. or yeah, here's a self-driving car, James. <laughs> that's that's yeah. true. That's what you have. True, maybe. Um, but it's for self-driving cars. Exactly. Only not just the cars, though. Just only when they commit murder <laughs> is it like funny to you. <laughs> it's kind of sadistic. Um. 
I, I, I have this problem where, like, if, if there's a, a really, like, and we're talking, it's got to be good, um, outstanding performance, it kind of sucks me in, and I'll leave thinking, yeah. like, wow, that movie was great. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, eh, it wasn't that great. No, it was just no, one you're guy right. that was really good. But. Well, and I mean, like, and it's, it's harder, it's easier when it's a lead actor. It's hard when it's a supporting actor. Like, it's hard to, like, continue to be sucked in, because, like, I watched, uh, I guess, you know, not to get too off topic, but I watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood today. And Tom Hanks, as Mr. Rogers, is, as we knew he was going to be, unfucking believable But, you know, the main guy is so fucking annoying that I hated the movie when Tom Hanks isn't in it. Okay. I couldn't stand huh. the main guy. His character's not likable, and the actor's not remotely likable. So it's like... So is Tom Hanks the supporting actor? He is the film? supporting actor. Now. Oh, so Tom Hanks is bringing supporting actor of the year. Uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there, but I'm going to say not. No. Okay. Yeah, Fair I don't enough. think... I. It's a stacked year, man. Like, he might not even get nominated, to be Come honest. Ah, like, here's here's the thing. It's like, you know... I'll, I'll, open, I'll open up what, what uh, IndieWire thinks here, because IndieWire is always a good... Uh, go-to tool before your before the Oscars get going is their prediction. They're normally pretty bang on. Uh, Tom Hanks is a front runner. You got Al Pacino, you got Joe Pesci, Brad Pitt, uh, Sung Kang Ho. So those other four are guaranteed to get nominated. Your other contenders though are Willem Dafoe and Anthony Hopkins. So it'll be tough. Hanks might get the nom, but I don't know that he would win. Okay. Yeah, I I think the only guy on that short list anyway. The, I, I'd be worried about Brad Pitt maybe, but that'd be about it. Brad only, only because I thought Brad Pitt would fall into the lead. It is Pitt or Pesci. It's just a matter really? of which one. Yeah, like not that I didn't mind Pesci, but I just you know, see there's the, so much going on. In that the thing movie. with Pesci and the Irishman is like, was he that good or did I just miss him that much? <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And like because like, you haven't seen him in a movie in so long, it's like was he that good? And like I think he was that fucking yeah. good. Like, and, he was and, really and it kind of comes but... down to like the Hart Trophy conversation in hockey, where okay. where you go like, oh, how can Kucherov win the Hart if he's got Stamkos and Hedman <laughs> and Vasilevsky on the team? Like how can Pesci or Pacino wow, win if they've got each other? It's not how movies work. <laughs> oh come on now! Eventually you just gotta look at the you roster. Think, you think and... they're just feeding off each other? Is what well, you're saying? Is that more so? You know, Chemistry is well, a thing. You know, I, I, uh... I think you're right. Sometimes, um, like the interesting with Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Brad Pitt is by himself in most of the scenes. Like that's the crazy thing. Like yeah. if you really think about it, like he doesn't feed off of other actors quite as much. Like. He's with. He's not with DiCaprio more than half the movie. Yeah, and so Bruce not, Dern you know, there for. The, yeah, Bruce Dern. Ugh. Bruce Dern, but that's a tricky scene. <laughs> yeah, fucking like how? How do you like? What are you supposed to do there? Bruce Dern, one of the best actors to ever live, is lying there playing a senile blind man that is way and he's way funnier and quicker than you are. Like even if they're going off script, Bruce Dern is like Bruce Dern. That was the role Bruce Dern was born to play. You know what I mean? Hey, he could just say anything in that moment. Like, Bruce Dern is so good at playing a crazy old man. See 2013's Nebraska, if you haven't. Um, like, it was just too good. It, that was a great scene. Fair enough. Anyway. Um, yeah, okay, so anyway. Uh, but uh, Beautifully in the neighborhood. But, but, <laughs> no, 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 no. Joaquin Phoenix sucked you in. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, no, so I gotta take a look at Joker. Maybe it's not as good as I 
thought it was on, on yeah. first viewing. It's always but. good to rewatch. Like, I'm going to rewatch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because, you know, I went Not in. Fifth time's a charm, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Third. I only saw it twice. Uh, but going in. I was like excited to see the new Tarantino movie. Now I'm going to go in comparing it to the other movies. Sure. So, yeah. Um, what else did I watch? Did you watch anything this week? Uh, we went to go see 1917 together. Yeah. Yeah. What did you? Because we we talked about it sort of that night, Oof. but not at length. Yeah. So here's here's my big thing with that movie was. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, spoiler alerts are are definitely coming here. Oh yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, we're, we're going to give you a little time here to. To, yeah. to pause or jump ahead. Yeah, and, skip uh, ahead, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. folks. We yeah. yeah, we're going to be on that a little better for next week. Well, I don't, think we, I don't think we had any spoilers yet for any of those other movies. No, I guess not. No, no, no we've been okay, was, but now now yeah. it's now it's coming. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, no, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Dude, I'm just telling. I know. Yeah. It's well-known Tom Hanks is the supporting actor, and it's well-known that the main guy fucking sucks. Okay. So. Um, okay, so 1917. Um, Loved it. The big thing for me leading up to this film was I kept hearing over and over again how it was one shot and or meant to look that way, right? Anyway, yeah. And I'm I'm going like, there's no way, like you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to to, to pull that off in like a a closed setting, maybe like a house or you know like a place of work. This is a war. <laughs> yeah. We're t- we're talking about a lot of space and a lot of uh, variables going on around you. So I, I spent most of the lead up to seeing it, trying to think about like, well, what did they really mean? Like, what you know, was it? Are they just gonna you know make it appear that way and it's gonna be very odd? They pulled it off. This is as close to one shot, one continuous like run that I think you can get if you to the scope. If you weren't a fan of filmmaking. You probably wouldn't even understand some of the parts where they cut it, right? Because you can like there are. Once I thought about it later that night, I'm like, nah, they they definitely cut it more. Like I thought it was like maybe five or six times. They definitely cut it more than that, I would think. But unless you were like, if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't know. Yeah, and like there are no, there were no visual fuck ups that I could find in that movie. Yeah, it, you know? it was a case where. It was getting to the point for me where I left thinking that was either some of the greatest, like, continuous acting or some of the all-time best editing that's ever been done for a film because they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the scenes where you're in Wouldn't a room... Wouldn't have been an easy movie to make is, is all. Right. Even the scenes where you're in a room. I, I, I'm sitting there, the the kid, you know, the baby with the girl, uh, and I'm sitting there and they're in this room together. I kept waiting... For the camera to just cut to the other side of the room and, and give you like a reverse angle of, of the conversation or cut to the guy talking. The camera was in constant motion. Whoever was, you know, holding the damn thing to get, you know, work his way around the room and get the angles. A phenomenal uh, job of uh, cinematography on this one. Yeah, um, yeah. Color me shocked that Roger Deakins uh, was a master of cinematography in this movie. Yeah. The, the guys made eighty movies, and like probably seventy of them are Hits. are are award winning yeah. films. Like the, everything this guy touched turns to gold. Yeah. One of the greatest. Like, like if you're just a casual movie watcher, Roger Deakins's contribution to cinema in the last thirty years is probably like. He's probably at the top of the list. Honestly. We could make a whole other it's podcast crazy. just talking top about top ten Roger yeah. Deakins movies. Yeah. We could honestly do that. 
and the guy is not a director he's a cinematographer like right. that's how fucking good he is at his job yeah uh overall uh i thought it was a, a, a solid movie once you take away the the wow factor of of the camera work the acting was pretty good you know i thought there yeah. wasn't a ton of actors in it a shame they couldn't have had colin firth in it for more than like two and a half minutes but uh, yeah that was the funny thing with that movie is as soon as so as soon as one guy leaves the screen you're like okay that's that's it for that guy's yeah. job he's done for yeah the now. i know it's great like it, it's yeah there are no like reoccurring characters in the movie like no. it's one's one and done yeah on everybody I, th- I thought it was really good overall not not a ton of not much in the way of script not much in the way of you know, like character development or anything like that. You know, the what reminded me of a, it's like a video game. It was just like you know, yeah, it reminded me of video that's game. That's very the whole time. accurate. Yeah. yeah, if you were behind the guy instead of looking at his face the whole time, that's yeah. a video game. It was yeah. really cool. Yeah, in that sense, because you felt like you were with them. Exactly. That's uh, you know what I mean. You yeah. felt like you were following them, and it was like you're kind of always on this like on the edge, like kind of like what the fuck is like going to happen next? Yeah. Like what's around us? You know what I mean? Like it, I literally felt like it was in a video game. And it's you know, really cool. And you know what was really neat was the fact that this is a World War One movie. Yeah. And I, I remember my girlfriend going into it saying, thinking like, this is going to be really boring. It's World War One. Yeah. We're just going to walk down some trenches. So did I. Wow, was it not boring. Like I, I, I told you this, like the amount of movies where it's actually like actual combat that I actually find interesting is a very short list, mm-hmm. you know. I went into it being... I went into it only because Roger Deakins was a cinematographer. I'm not going to lie. It was the only reason why I went to see it in theaters and didn't just watch it, like, after the fact kind of thing. Really glad I saw it in theaters. I would strongly recommend to anyone that if you are considering watching 1917... <laughs> that didn't skip. Hopefully <laughs> you are not listening, but if you... <laughs> if you are, I'm sorry... But also, you go should still go see it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, what else? Uh, did, what, did you have anything to add on nineteen seventeen? I don't think so. No, no. I'm just a really solid, solid movie. Okay. Uh, you know, if it if it doesn't win anything else besides cinematography, I won't be shocked. Sure. If it does, that's probably fine too. You know? Okay. Really, really solid. It uh, it did win Golden Globe uh, for Best Motion Picture Drama and Best Director. Best director, yeah, that's right. I do not seeing I do not see it winning Best Director for um, the Oscars. Okay, but I it might win Best Picture. I would say that. Really, I I don't know. Like that that uh, this is a really good year. Like last year was disappointing. The year before was kind of like a mess because you know you had The Shape of Water. But you also Oof. had the darkest hour, and you know what I mean. Like you had like it was like a really bizarre year. Yeah. Last year was no good. Like like the best movie I saw last year was like the favorite, which was really good. But like it was like I don't know if I'm gonna watch it more than like maybe one or two more times ever again. Mm. Roma was just subtitles the whole time. It's like it can only go so far, you know. Did you watch anything else? Uh, I watched Knives Out. Ah, which was uh, I gotta tell you. Don't spoil that one for me. I'm going to watch it on my phone. Yeah, I uh, loved it. I, I won't go much more into it. Uh, okay. But uh, well, I I would be willing to say that I have to watch it again. I can't remember having more fun watching a movie in quite a while. It was okay. great. I, I loved it. it it's really a great, excited, actually. It's a very fun, funny, but still smart, like, well done. It's just perfect, honestly. You know what it is? It's a movie, again, that I wish I saw in theaters. Yeah. Because it would be a great movie to see in theaters. Yeah, but... I, uh, my father and I were going to go on New Year's Day, yeah. and uh, there wasn't a showing in town. So. Yeah. 
missed no, it. No, it was it was good. Um, I watched Uncut Gems. Ooh. Uh, somehow a movie, a serious movie about sports gambling, starring Adam Sandler, um, Kevin Garnett of the uh, formerly of the Boston Celtics, The Weekend, like the singer The Weekend, uh, Julia Fox, and New York radio curmudgeon uh mike francesa somehow was not just one of the best like movies i've seen all year one of the best acted movies i've seen and lakeith stanfield (laughs) i should say like an actual actor was in it lakeith stanfield's in it but so um safe to say you were shocked (laughs) at the outcome yeah like the most credible fucking actor in the movie i shit you not when you think about all that is the guy who plays the brainwashed fucking guy in get out like the brainwashed uh guy that's all dressed up and the old ladies like carting him around like that was the most like (laughs) well-trained credible actor in the movie guy's been around for like three years <laughs> he's been in like 10 movies that's wild this is like the guy in the movie yeah, but, yeah. um adam sandler unfortunately made this movie this year and not a year ago because if he would have made it last year he would be nominated for an academy award but i don't think he's gonna make it this year because the cat like the crop is just fucking stacked mm. for best lead actor um he deserves a better fate I can't believe I'm saying it that I think Adam Sandler should be nominated for an Academy Award for a role. He should be, but there's not enough spots and he's not going to get nominated. Fair enough. I don't think. Yeah. It was great. From Chanaka Song to uh, <laughs> the Oscars. Wow, what a journey. <laughs> Lunch Lady Land. Yeah. Yeah. Piece of shit car. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's his entire acceptance speech right there. Man, he's fucking great in Uncut Gems, so you gotta you got watch this thing. What else, what else I watch? There's something else I'm forgetting. There's one other thing, I think. Well, I'll step in while you think. Oh, shit, you got uh, something? I watched uh, Marriage Story. So did I. That was actually the oh, other thing I was okay. thinking of. You what'd, you, what'd you think? It was really good. It was uh, really good. Very powerful. Yeah, uh, I didn't... I gotta tell you, like, I don't know about you if you thought this way. First ten minutes, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm gonna hate this. Because neither of them are likable. Neither character's likable, at least the first ten minutes anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you got Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson playing not likable characters who are both going to yell and hate each other by the end of this movie. And I'm like, there, I'm not going to gain anything out of this. Got to tell you, it's really fucking good. Yeah. That... <laughs> it gets, it's really good. Not not to, like, if it wasn't up for, you know, an Oscar, I don't, I don't know if this is a movie I'd, I'd go out of my way to see. Right. Um, made a point of checking it out. Really impressed. Uh, really heavy content. Really deep. Uh, Alan Alda. Yeah. The, yeah. Somehow he's the, <laughs> like the lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, you know, in in the darkness here. He he looks good. Yeah. Considering, eh? Like I was getting a little worried about our good friend Alan there for yeah, a while. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, for those of you who are uh, fans of Alan Alda and less likely uh, fans of Mash, uh, Alan Alda. Uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's a few years ago, and he is in this movie, and looks fantastic. Yeah, there was one. There was one scene where they had that, that private office, um, where you could really catch. Yeah, his one arm there, and yeah, it, it, the rest of the film you couldn't even tell. Yeah, guy but can still was, act. Yeah, that's well, for sure. Phenomenal. Um, um, Scarlett Johansson w- w- will inevitably get nominated for an Academy Award for it. Uh, 
I would think Adam Driver will also get nominated. I'm just looking at this. Ray Liotta was in the film? Ray Liotta is, um, is that shark lawyer that Adam Driver sees oh, first yeah, and then goes right. back. Yeah, he looks older. Yeah. But uh, Laura yeah. Dern, yeah, also Laura Dern. phenomenal, probably best supporting actress nom. Honestly, could be a win, but I haven't seen the rest of the other movies. But she was really good in she, it. She didn't have a big body of work, but she was very good when she was on, oh, on screen. Fuck, just a sure. shark in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I fucking love Laura Dern. Yeah. She's such a good actress. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's my recap of what I've seen. I don't yeah. know if you've got any, I'm, any I'm, others. Um, uh, did I watch anything else? Uh, no, I, th- I think that's it. I think that's I think that's all 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 seven movies that I managed to watch in the past week somehow. That's impressive. Yeah, I've, it's yeah. A movie on, a day. Honestly, I'm yeah, I'm kind of impressed. the The only issue is that I I polished off a lot of the ones I really wanted to see. So now I feel like next week I'm going to be less jazzed about the movies. But I will say this: like last year, there are a lot of years. I feel like they always get grouped together too. There are years where just every movie is like. Eh, watch that and you, you get through some of them and you're like okay that was better than i thought it was going to be and you're happy about it once it's once it's done that you really enjoyed it i gotta tell you like i'm looking at all the other front runners for uh the academy awards that i i haven't seen yet and i still want to see all these movies like ford vs ferrari oh i gotta watch yeah. that oh. that looks great uh, i gotta watch jojo rabbit still that's gonna be hysterical the farewell looks pretty funny parasite uh, like i'm just curious to see Seriously, what all really the buzz is about too, yeah. you know what i mean um I haven't seen Little Women. Should be really good. I already know what I'm getting. It's just a matter of how they did it, but yeah, I already know the for sure. the plot. So I don't know. I haven't seen Rocket Man yet either, which I gotta watch just to see. I uh, I wanted to space myself out between uh, Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody so I didn't sure. have any crossover oh, contamination. You've, you've had a year to yeah, to, so. to re regroup. I think I've regrouped. Oh, good. I think I'm ready good. to love again. Well, it's <laughs> funny you say that because I saw the Bond trailer at 1917. And I'm oh. like, yes, I, I can I can look at Rami Malek again. Let's let's do this. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, actually, that looks sick too. Yeah, I'm down for Rami Malek as a Bond villain. Is there? Not. Can you think of an actor who's more creepy away from the move from the, his roles than than Rami Malek because like I'm starting to like get a little nervous that he's not acting in a lot of these roles where he's just creep yeah if you've ever seen that's Mr. Just, Robot the dude if you've ever seen uh, Mr. Robot that's just Rami Malek but uh, the character's creepy as fuck well, it's just Rami fucking well, Malek man well, that's just good that's we'll just see. that's just good casting is yeah. what that is yeah no a lot of good uh, a lot of good Oscar content a lot of a lot of interesting nominees as well like a, like when we're talking about Adam Sandler yeah, you know, you know yeah. kind of outsider. In, in a same in the same year, Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy are going to get ripped off for acting roles at the Oscars. Just fucking let that fucking sink in. Yeah, let that sink in. Yeah, no, it, it's it's great. I, I'm I'm excited. It's a, it's a good year. A lot of a lot of interesting nominees. A lot of good choices. A lot of a lot of unique uh, nominees, uh, such as Larry David, uh, nominated nominated for act, actually thinking that he knows anything about hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear about this? Uh, he goes yep. on uh, some radio show. Was it a radio show? Yeah, it was a New York New York radio show. And he, he blasts David Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's making a lot of good points, as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, it was it was cool. I, I I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, the the I I watched the whole interview, and the way that these guys defend David Quinn is bizarre to me. But um, whatever. It, it it was it was neat. Um, 
Why did he bench Kako in that th that third period after he scored first goal in? Why do I love hearing him say that? First goal <laughs> in fourteen games and an assist. He benches him because he takes a bad penalty. Right. Come on, that's ridiculous. But you got to learn when you take the bad penalties. You can't be out there in these one goal games. Every game is important. I can't believe I'm breaking down hockey with Larry Dave. But you, but you think putting him on the bench is going to make him? You don't think he knows that he took a bad penalty? He knows benching him is going to do anything. They need another He's goal. He's done a good job. I'm not going to question Quinn. Wow, Homer. He's 18 Homer. years old. <laughs> you are such a fraud. <laughs> So there's, there's there's no way that he watches hockey though, right? No, he does. Like no. he yeah, uh, he, he's always been no, he's he's got season tickets to Rangers games. I just don't think he goes all that often, but <laughs> he's got other shit to do that guy. Um yeah, I I don't know. Like it's interesting. Like he makes a good point, I think. Like I I it's one thing to bench your players and that and you know, every coach has the right to do so. My thought on it is is you know, Larry David does make a good point in the sense that once you've made a mistake, what do you really learn by being benched sometimes? And I think at the NHL level, that's maybe more relevant. I think, you know, at younger ages, maybe, you know, you, you take it a little bit harder and, and it's all about how you kind of spin that. You know, you can't just bench a kid when he takes a penalty when he's 11 years old and expect that he's going to learn from it. Well, no, you got to make sure that there's a message in there too, though. Um... But once you get to the NHL level, especially especially when you're 18, like I don't think that does anything other than hurt a, a kid's confidence. And and probably Capocacco shouldn't be on the team if David Quinn isn't going to treat him like an 18 year old, because he coaches him like he's 28 and like he should know what he's doing and like he should be a better player and moves him around the lineup and gives him completely different minutes and just fucks him around all the time. And they probably should have sent him back to Finland if that's how he was going to get treated. Because, quite frankly, I don't really think David Quinn's done a lot to help out Capo Caco this year. Maybe I'm wrong. But the way I look at it from the outside looking in, that is not what I would be doing with a high-end prospect like that. Um, and I would certainly say that both coaches in New Jersey have done a better job with Jack Hughes. Because he's just been the second-line center and gets, you know at least some consistency in his line mates and his role and they work with him and you know yeah he's got his buddy tom fitzgerald there maybe not as much anymore but yeah, yeah. i don't know i i was 18 once um yeah. i don't wonder if capo caco's on the bench flapping his mouth off david quinn every other shift so that is possible it doesn't know, strike me as that type of kid but you never know yeah i don't know i just we're gonna make this big a deal larry david's gonna put the spotlight on himself come out and make this big statement about a, a a random game on a Tuesday in January, and for a team that's not going to make the playoffs with a coach that's probably not going to be around much longer. But that's that, that's like, that's that's the New York way of thinking, right? Like, and that's and I mean, it, it's it leaks into the Leafs fan base too, right? If you're if like Larry David's just a guy, and he's a fan of the team, and he watches, as far as I know, like pretty much every game, and. You know, if he watches it all the time, he's he's going to have opinions on little things. You know, it's the same as us being, you know, why is William Nylander when he was like 20 getting benched in the third? Like, why is he even playing on the NHL team right now if we can't even fucking play him? Like, you know, it, it's just a little thing that in the grand scheme probably isn't going to make a big fucking difference. But when you're a fan of the team, you feel strongly about these things. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. Personally. Well, they, they, they had him on. To talk mostly about football, but he had been at the Rangers game, right? And that's mm -hmm. why um, they wanted to, like, ask him about it. And they asked him about it, and 
Oh. Larry David has not been known to keep his mouth shut. So True. maybe, uh, maybe based on the latest uh, ratings of Curb, uh, you should focus a little more on the TV show. Ooh. And stay away from Ooh. Rick. But, Whoa, uh, there it is. That's me. There it is. Excited for the new season, yeah. but uh, based off the last season, uh, yeah, don't don't really know what to expect. But yeah, we'll right. find out. Not hearing good things. You a Curb guy? Uh, I enjoy what I've seen. I've never sat down and watched, you yeah. know, in any serious manner. You don't have crave, eh? No. I was going to say, definitely get on that, but for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing something here in the breakdown, uh, some, something about, uh, well, some naming some yeah. guy. Yeah, no, you, uh, it's, it's, it's name that person is what it's called. Is that that game that I absolutely dominated last week? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. you know what? You've, uh, you've got a, a reputation to live up here too now. Uh, for those of you who maybe didn't listen last week, didn't catch it. James went uh, 10 for 10 on the trivia last week, which is the first time in the history of Laced Up that anyone has ever aced a quiz. Yeah, I've actually, now I've, now I've got 12 correct total answers in my yeah. career, so it's great. Yeah, you've, you've got as many correct answers as quizzes you've done over time, yeah. so that's good. It, hel- it helped boost you up to 500, which is good. So now um, we're going to see if you can do the same thing this week. Uh, you are, as of right now, batting 10 consecutive correct answers. Let's see if you can keep it going. Um, we're going to say a pass this week is six. Mm. Uh, you need six correct to pass the quiz. Okay? Sure. Um, the first question that I have for you is, which St. Louis Blues player tripped Bobby Orr on his 1970 Stanley Cup final winning goal? Number four. Uh, was it A. Al Arbor? Was it B. Noel Picard? Was it C. Red Berenson? Was it D. Barkley Plager? Well, it wasn't Red. And it wasn't Al. Um, I'm going to say Noel Picard. It was Noel Picard. B uh, would be the correct answer. So you are one for one. Fantastic. 11 in a row keep, now. Keep the streak alive here. This, this would be crazy. Shut Can you imagine you do this? <laughs> gets, all, gets the other nine wrong now. Yeah. Um, number two. Only three players... Scored over 100 goals as an Atlanta Thrasher. One is Ilya Kovalchuk. The other is Slava Kozlov. Who is the third? Is it A, Danny Heatley? Daniel Heatley. Is it B, Marion, my equipment hurts, Hosa? Is it C, Mark... I'm not going to make a joke on that one. Savard. Or D, Brian, Winnipeg, Jet, Little. That is a really... Really good question. Mm -hmm. Um, And four answers that it could easily be. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe... I don't think Hosa was there long enough to put up a hundred. Don't think it was uh, Savard. I don't. I don't think he potted a lot of goals. Big assist guy, but never really put the puck in that too often. I'm gonna go Brian Little on this one. That is a good guess, but we were looking for B, Marion Hosa. Yeah, eh? really. Uh, Marion Hosa. With I don't have it in front of me. I think it was 112 goals as an Atlanta Thrasher in. I believe 230 games. I was going to say, he was only there for maybe <laughs> four long. seasons It wasn't most. long. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Huh. Yeah, because I, I think he had a 50-goal year. Or very close to it. Like, it was like 48, 49, yeah. something. He must like, have a couple 40s. He was really and, fucking yeah, good in Atlanta. That's fair. Uh, which is not a thing you hear that often in hockey. True. Well, uh, so pressure's off my shoulders. Yeah, now. you're one I for two. Now you can relax and just kind of yeah. just ease into the enjoy game the, now. Like, a, like an old man into a yeah. gentle bath here. Uh... <laughs> Number three. Do old men get into violent baths too often? Or? Well, they could <laughs> fall and... <laughs> See those commercials for the the bathtubs that you can just like open the door, the door and walk in? Yeah. And I've always been curious how the water doesn't seep out. You know? Uh, it's just a seal. 
It's got to be a good seal. Well, yeah, it's highly trained, balance the ball <laughs> well, in its nose. Well, yeah, these things cost like nine grand. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> Some sort of shitty tub? No. All right, here's your here's your door bath, but it's gonna leak. <laughs> it's four payments of fifty nine ninety five. Please have it to us by the end of the month. Put the padlock on when you get in. End of the month? What the hell's the point of making payments if it's one month? Um, number three. Who has the only shorthanded hat trick in NHL history? Is it A, Mike Richards? Is it B, Theron Fleury? Is it C, uh, my, I believe, third cousin, Ray Shepard? <laughs> or is it D, Tim Kerr? Uh, that'd be Theo Fleury. Playing with fire, Theron Fleury. Is that your final answer? Uh, it is. It's Tim. Kerr. No, it's uh, it's Theo Fleury. I figured Tim Kerr might trip you up on that one, just because he's a guy you would think maybe would have like an odd record or so, you know. Maybe. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. If You're I two. didn't already know it, I could. Yeah, I could see for where, sure. Yeah. You're two for three. Thanks, man. Uh, number four. Who is the only player to win the Kelly Cup, the Calder Cup, and the Stanley Cup? There's only one person on planet Earth that has won all three. Wow. Is it A, J, Beagle? Is it B, Derek Engeland? Is it C, Ruslan Fedotenko? Or is it D, Dwight King? I can confirm that all four played in all three leagues. It's just a matter of did they win a championship right. in all three. Who was the second guy, sorry? Uh, your answers are A, J, Beagle, yeah. B, Derek Engeland. C. Ruslan Fedotenko. D. Dwight King. Okay, I don't even think England won a cup. England hasn't won a Stanley Cup, I don't think. Oh, maybe Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm going to go with the only guy I know that has won the Calder Cup and the Stanley Cup um, and hope that maybe he got a Kelly on the way. But the other guys are just... The, other, the, other, the last three there I, I know have cups, but I... This guy, at least I know, has the Calder. So I'm going to go Jay Beagle. The answer is A, Jay Beagle. Um, Derek England played with Pittsburgh the year they won the Cup in 09. I don't believe he played enough games to have a Cup. Uh, his name on the Cup anyway, for sure. Uh, whether or not he has a Cup ring, I don't know. Uh, Fedotenko spent limited time in the AHL. And Dwight King spent limited time in the ECHL. Uh, but... All four did play at all three levels. So, um, yeah. There you go. You're three for four. Looking good. On fire. I'll take it. Uh, I got to tell you, it doesn't get easier in the second half of the quiz, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know the answer to this one as well. This is a pretty big historical achievement, I would say. Uh, who is the first Euro- European-born player to score a Stanley Cup winning goal? First European-born player to score a Stanley Cup winning goal. Stanley Cup winning goal. Okay. Is it A, Ken Hodge? Is it B, Bob Nystrom? Is it C, Kent Nilsson? Is it D, Mats Nasland? It's got to be Bobby Nystrom. It is B, Bob Nystrom. Yeah. Yes. 1979. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, well, yeah, 1980. Yeah, 1980. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, number six. Pekka Rinne is the second this goalie again, eh? to score a goal in predator in a Predators jersey. Who is the first? Interesting. Is it A. Thomas Vokun? Is it B. Dan Ellis? 
Is it C, Chris Mason? Is it D, Mike Dunham? Wow, I like those last two. Uh, I don't think Dan Ellis scored unless he was a circumstance of just having the puck well, last kind of guy. Know, maybe that's how he made all of his money maybe. that he supposedly has. I'm going to go Mike Dunham. I, I think Mike Dunham has a goal, and I'm, I can't think of where else he would have scored it. So uh, We were looking for, I believe, current Nashville Predator goalie coach Chris Mason. Really? Eh? Uh, okay. C is what we were looking for. Hmm. You know, four for six. Okay. Still doing well. Okay. Still doing well, but that that is a little bit of... I mean, I told you the second half of the quiz True. might trip you now up you're a honest. little bit. So. Uh, number seven, Alec Martinez scored the Stanley Cup winning goal in overtime in 2014. It was off of a rebound, which King took the initial shot. I remember that goal. Is it A, Kyle Clifford? Is it B, Jeff Carter? Is it C, Tyler Toffoli? Is it D, Justin Williams? I think it's Toffoli. To make it harder, three of the four were on the ice at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I'm going to go Toffoli. It was Tyler Toffoli. Uh, Clifford passed the puck. Mm. Uh, received it from Martinez, gave it to Toffoli, and then uh, went Toffoli to Martinez. And the Kings won the cup. You're five for seven. And you can just need to get one of the next three right to win back-to-back. Name that person's. You might have won the one before that, too, but I feel like it was in, like, early December, so there's no way to really know. Fair. Uh, I gotta preface this question. I'm not asking about war-era NHL. We're, we're forgetting... I'm asking, you know, since wars have kind of stopped. 1930. Yeah, we're not... I'm not worried about the first seven guys on this list, basically, because there's an asterisk beside all of them. Who is the youngest player to ever record a point in the NHL? So I'm not asking about the 15-year-old guys that were playing because all the 18-year-olds are off in the war. Okay. I'm asking, you know, in a reasonable NHL, who has the youngest point ever I'm, recorded. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I don't have to stop right there. A reasonable NHL has never existed. So, um, um, next question, please. Yeah, who is the youngest player to ever record a point? Is it A, Brian Bellows? Is it B, Jordan Stahl? Is it C, Sasha Barkov? Is it D, Patrick Marlowe? I think it's Bellows. I'm going to go Bellows. Is that your final answer? I, yeah. Uh, we were looking for C, Sasha Barkov. For what it's worth, all of these players were 18 and a little bit of change when they got their first point. You're looking at four of the youngest guys to ever record a, a point. But mm-hmm. Barkov, and I believe it was 18 years and 30 days Yeah. Uh, when he recorded his first point. Was... I'm not sure if you have it, but is this a circumstance where I knew the question as being Brian Bellows and didn't realize that Sasha Barkov had passed him? Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bellows played before Barkov, so at one I point... I just didn't know if you know who was second. I, I believe Bellows was the youngest, but the, there's about five guys in front of him, and all of them started their career after Bellows. So uh, it would have been Bellows, but you should have known it as someone else probably in your... Oh, all right. Yeah, because it would have been Marlowe for a while. I, so I remember when so. Marlow scored his first point. I thought they mentioned that he was the second at the time. Okay, maybe it's but, possible. Yeah. It might be. It's hard. I, I got to tell you, like Bello, if Bellows is the oldest on the list, Bellows is like eighteen years and forty days. Mm. Like it's like a ten day difference at most. So, uh, you're you're five for eight. Right. Number nine. There was a lot of controversy a few years ago when uh, the uh, the New York Islanders called up at the time prospect Josh Hosang. And he decided to wear number 66. 
Uh, Hosang is not, however, the first player to wear 66 since Mario Lemieux retired. Who is the first? Is it A, TJ Brody? Is it B, Matthew Darsh? Is it C, Kyle Turris? Is it D, that son of a bitch, Rob Shrimp? It's uh, TJ Brody. Is that your final answer? God, I wish it was Rob Shrimp. Uh, it is A, TJ Brody. You have passed. You're 6 for 9. And we're in garbage time. You're back-to-back champion for Name That Person. Beautiful. Uh, which is good for you because question 10 is a fucking crapshoot as far as oh, I'm wow. concerned. Nice. Love it. I wouldn't. Cool. I wouldn't have known the answer to this. All Roll four, the dice. All four make total sense. Let's do it. April 6, 2016 was the final NHL game at Rexall Place. Who scored the final goal at Rexall Place? Is it A, Connor McDavid? Is it B, Jordan Eberle? Is it C, Taylor Hall? Is it D, Leon Dreisaitl? No sleeper pick in there, eh? No. That's what I, that's what I mean. Huh. I had Yakupov on the list initially, and I'm like, nah. I'll go Eberle. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. I was going to say it's a good answer, but it's like it literally could be any of the four of them. They were all on the team. It yeah. doesn't really matter. Uh, we were looking for D, Leon Dreisaitl. Really? Has the final goal ever scored at Rexall Place. Neat. Yeah, which is good, because he's the best goal scorer in the history of the franchise, so... Whoa. Well. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, okay. Well, you passed. Good for you. That's all I'm looking for in life. Yeah, well, yeah. alright. Sure. Uh, what else we got? We gotta do our top ten yet. Uh, there was a question, uh, though, there was a tweet put out about uh, a question... Who we thought the most underrated goalie of the 2010s was. Yeah. This sparked a lot of debate on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, a lot of hockey people were arguing about it. Uh, a lot of people got really upset that no one would agree with them that Corey Crawford is the answer. And uh, <laughs> it depends what your definition of underrated is. But, you know, Corey Crawford won a, won a cup and uh, I'm not really sure he did like a ton other than that. So I don't really know that Corey Crawford would be my answer. Hmm. Um I don't know. Did did any name come to mind for you right away? Well, there's there is one guy that I I immediately thought of, and Jake Allen is, okay. is a guy that came to mind. Um, Interesting. I, I I think he's taken a lot of unnecessary flack uh, the last couple of years. He had some standout seasons uh, early in his career. Um, did he? Would you care oh, yeah. to rhyme them off, sir? Uh, 9, 13, 228, 32, 22, and 7. Uh, 9, 15, 242, 33, and 20, and 5. Um, yeah, he was really good, really quick. Uh, two, two consecutive years to start his career with Calder votes. Um... And he kind of got into a little bit of a lull starting in 2017-2018. But I think he's, I don't know, he's he's bounced back. He's still under 30. Like, I don't know if it's just me or if if anyone else has this problem. But I, I keep thinking that Jake Allen is like 32, 33 years old. And, you know, yeah, now he's not as good as he once was. He's still under 30. Like, he could conceivably go for another 10 years or so in the NHL um, if he can kind of get back to where he was. And this is looking like a season that might be that for him. He's 7-3-3. He's three three. 
He's clearly the backup on St. Louis at this point. Like, let's not kid ourselves. But he's doing as well as can be hoped for out of your backup. He's got a 924 on the season. Uh, eight of his uh, 13 starts have been quality starts. Um, he, I, I'm pretty, I'm, I could be wrong on this, but I think his seven wins in the season, six of them have been on the road. And the Blues just keep feeding him the road games whenever they can. He is lights out on the road this season. And I, I, I don't know. I've always liked his body of work. Uh, he did have a couple of rough seasons, like I said. But he was kind of the first guy that came to mind for me because I, I think he's he gets a lot of crap for, for what happened uh, last year before, you know, the, the turnaround. And uh, he gets this, you know, kind of knock against him for you know, haven't been around in the league for so long, for seven seasons already. But again, he's still young enough that this this isn't a career over type situation. So I don't know. Uh, that was that was that was my pick. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can confidently say I don't know if any of us saw that coming, but that's uh, yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. I mean, a, a few guys came to mind for me. I, I honest honestly, I think the answer for me is Tuka Rask. Um, the guy has the best save percentage out of anyone in the decade and gets treated like he's like not even a top 10 goalie, which is kind of, you know, oh, ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know how he gets so much hate. I think he's phenomenal. He gets hate? Yeah. Um, uh, particularly really? Bruins fans, which is kind of interesting. Um, cause I don't think they have any fucking place to, to blame Tuka Rask for anything. I think he's great. Um, but yeah, to, I don't know. Like, I don't really think Tuka Rask ever gets talked about as being like a, an elite, um, you know, star of the league. But the the guy is awesome. Like, he, he's unreal. Um, four hundred four hundred and fifty nine games started in the decade, uh, which is good for the eighth most, and he has a nine twenty one save percentage in the two thousand tens. So uh, yeah, for sure, his name's on the list. Another guy that I. Couldn't believe when I did this search initially is that um, Robin Leonard has a career 918 save percentage. So, I mean, that's also pretty good. Not a lot of love there. Like, he really hasn't been all that bad over, uh, you know, a lot of his career. And um, doesn't really get discussed as, as you know, all that good. And the the third guy to me that, uh, that I figured I would mention is probably Yaroslav Halak who has also been, you know, pretty good almost everywhere he's gone. And boy, has he gone a lot of places. You know, that song, I've Been Everywhere, man. Been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, North Dakota, Ottawa, Winslow, Buffalo, Toronto. Are those all, are those all the cities? Uh, there's definitely more. Gothenburg? Uh, Do you think they mentioned Gothenburg? I don't think Johnny Cash ever made it over to Gothenburg. No. Uh, well, I figured I would shout out my good old boy from Gothenburg, uh, Robin Leonard. And mention him on this question. So my answer is Rask, Leonard, Halak. If I had to pick one, probably I guess Halak would be the most say, Halak underrated. Is, Halak is a great because like ultimately no one respects him. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like at least Leonard like was in a Vesna conversation a year ago. Um, you know Rask has been like you're an idiot if you don't think Tuka Rask is a good goalie like I'm just gonna say that you're you're a complete jackass the guy the guy is as stellar as it gets is probably the picture of consistency um but Yaroslav Halak is always going to be looked at as the guy that got traded for uh for or the guy that got in traded instead of Carey Price he's going to be looked at as the guy who had an attitude problem in New York and um 
ultimately has been a pretty good goaltender basically everywhere he's been. Yaroslav Halak has not played in the playoffs since 2015. Yes, sir. That's fucked. Yes, sir. That's a half a decade ago. That's fucked. <laughs> when you mention it like that, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I think that brings us to our top ten. Top ten. Um, top ten. It's Oscar season, so we're doing the top ten actresses mm-hmm. to never win an Oscar. Um, a surprisingly tricky category, <laughs> as we found out. I should have. I like. I. I. I, I was gonna say. Uh, fuck it. I, I would like to save this one ideally for um, for a name that person, but I feel like you probably would get the answer, so I don't think it's hard enough. Do you know what goalie led the NHL in penalty minutes in the 2010s? Rask. Fair guess. Not even close. Uh, Tuka Rask had 24 penalty minutes, which was good for... Y'all right. Uh, Tuka Rask had... 24 penalty minutes, no, 22 penalty minutes, which is good for 21st in the decade. Uh, we were looking for at 70 pims and somehow also a goal scorer, Mike Smith, <laughs> had the most penalty minutes at 70. I mean, I, I kind of get it. He got in a couple fights, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair wow. enough. Yeah. I was thinking like Tim Thomas, Ray Emery. Well. <laughs> Ray Emery's good for sixth. Uh, Tim Thomas. He didn't play long. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him. Actually, Tim Thomas is 29th, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, considering how little he played. But uh, Dwayne Rollison, the first guy to appear that only played single-digit games in that. No, Brent Johnson played 34 games somehow in the 2010s, and he got 24 penalty minutes. So good for him. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, top 10. Yeah, no, it's Oscar season. Uh, we figured we would pay tribute to the ladies. And uh, we would discuss the 10 best actresses that have never won an award for acting. And uh, the list was a lot harder to put together than I thought. Uh, James and I put together separate lists. We were going to combine them, and then we realized that uh, our lists are nothing alike. So, uh... Yeah, considering how much trouble I I, I had finding actors that didn't have uh, Oscars... um... Like, towards the end, it's just got to almost come down to actresses that you like. Like, after a while, you got to abandon body of work and just kind of, you know what I mean? Um, pick actresses that you like. So definitely, yeah. Okay. Um, did you want to kick things off, or yeah. shall I? Yeah. What the hell? Uh, my number ten is Patricia Clarkson. Hey. Same. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, famous for playing Patty Brooks in Miracle. Uh, that's not what she's famous for, but that's the role that you would know her from. Um, the only, I guess, the only Hollywood actress to ever appear on our podcast, really, if you think about it. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Patricia Clarkson, former guest of the podcast, is number 10. Friend, uh, friend of the podcast. She she was unbelievable in Sharp Objects, which was a mini series starring her and Amy Adams. And uh, maybe Adam Scott was in that. I don't know. I can't remember who the guy was. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. Uh, you might also know her as uh, the real Rachel Salando from Shutter Island. The one who's living in a cave. Spoiler alert. Should have should have said that at the beginning of the sentence. Yeah, I don't know. Patricia Clarkson's awesome. Number ten. She's a great actress. Uh, yeah, uh, great lady, great actress. I'm a fan. Yep. She's in the Maze Runner too. I, I don't know if that was ever uh, something you watched in any length, but no. She was uh, she was really good in that actually. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I figure I uh, I owe it to um, the listeners as well to to give you the stats. When uh, when we're uh, talking about this, uh, Patricia Clarkson 
was nominated for one Academy Award. Uh, it was a... Let me get it here. Uh, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in 2003 for Pieces of April. I have seen it only one time. I don't remember what it was about. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so my number 10 is also Patricia Clarkson. Yeah. So yeah. That, that says that. Uh, my number 9 is Naomi Watts. Uh, Naomi Watts. She's been in everything. Uh, great actress. Big fan. Really loved her in Funny Games, which is kind of a... Well, not kind of. It's a fucked up movie for sure. Uh, she was great in it. Uh, definitely like her. She's she's in a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're not familiar with Naomi Watts, you might also know her from The Ring. Uh, she's in Mulholland Drive. Uh, what else? 21 Grams, which she was great in. The Assassination of Richard Nixon. King Kong. Eastern Promises. The International. J. Edgar. Uh, she's in Movie 43, which is hilarious. And she's also in... In my opinion, the best movie of the decade, uh, Birdman. Oh, uh, yeah, she she's great. I don't really know particularly that I would say that she should have won an Academy Award for any of the ones that she was nominated uh, over the people who won it for. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of surprising to me that she hasn't gotten one at this point. Uh, she was nominated for Best Lead Actress twice, uh, once for Twenty One Grams, two thousand and four. And the other time was for The Impossible in 2013. Lovely. Mm-hmm. My number nine is Scarlett Johansson. Mm. I'm sure. Scarjo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, hey, Scarjo. A lot of people know her from uh, the Marvel movies that were quite popular recently. Uh, she, she came in and had a very. She's in those. Yeah, she plays Black Widow. I think she, I think she's actually been in like the second most Marvel films behind like. Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. Like, she's in, uh, what? what is it, three, four, five, six, seven, what? eight, nine. Yeah, she's in, she's in nine of these damn things. And uh, she's got an upcoming uh, TV show uh, spin off on uh, Disney Plus. Mm. So she's really leaning into that uh, role. But outside of that, we mentioned earlier Marriage Story. She's uh, obviously the lead in that. I thought she was fantastic. Um, she's had a really really diverse career honestly like uh, i never really thought of her as being a great actress she was she was good she was always in stuff i liked uh but never really caught me as someone that would be you know oscar worthy and she's she's put together a really nice stretch uh, of career lately and uh it'd be nice to see her uh, get a nomination this this year uh, for marriage story i think that's i think that's kind of as far it'll, as I'm concerned, I it'll think happen. It's a nomination for sure. It'll she yeah. will she'll get nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So okay, Scarjo, that yeah. was your number nine. Scarjo, cool. My number eight is Rooney Mara, um, which I I not a big celebrity name in the sense that I she lives a pretty private life and doesn't really enter the spotlight a lot. But uh, when she does, it's usually because she's in a movie and she was usually uh, she's usually really good in that movie. Um, her, I would consider breakthrough role, uh, was probably in 2009 as Taggarty in Youth and Revolt, uh, but she is also Erica Albright in The Social Network in 2010, um, she is the main character in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in 2011, sidekick, or sidekicks, side effects, uh, in 2013, um, yeah, she's in, uh, she was in Lion, which I wasn't a fan of, she also plays Mary Magdalene in mary magdalene um yeah she she's an outstanding actress one of my favorites 
if she's in it, I will watch it, and she's usually good in it when she's in it. Uh, she was nominated for Best Actress for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, also nominated in 2015 for Best Supporting Actress for Carol, uh, for which I did not care for. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was good. Just the movie was kind of boring. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, my number, where are we at? Eight? My number eight? My number eight is Margot Robbie. Um, hmm. Not a large body of work, but uh, she not seems to... a large body either. Oh, uh, she seems to churn out really good content, and uh, I've been really impressed with her uh, to this point. Uh, I, Tanya, uh, really good performance there as, as Tanya Harding. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, kind of uh, memorable uh, kicking off of the career, so to speak, for her there with uh, Scorsese and uh, DiCaprio. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots, which was up uh, a couple years ago, I guess, for an Oscar. And uh, this year, she's in she's in uh, two uh, potential Oscar-nominated films. Um, Bombshell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where she plays uh, a very, very convincing Sharon Tate. Um, I don't know the, uh, you know, I don't know the frontrunners as well as you do, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see her get a nomination for for Sharon Tate um I thought that was a, a very well uh acted performance there and uh not a, not a lot of screen time which may hurt her which I think the only problem with that role would be but uh yeah Margot Robbie yeah although she was good um and you mentioned that I do know uh usually what they're saying in terms of who will likely see a nomination uh, i would be surprised to see her get nominated as uh she's not really in the conversation uh for once upon a time in hollywood she is in the conversation for bombshell mm-hmm. so yeah yeah there you go yeah so that uh you know should be good uh kind of rare too going back to scarlett johansson could be the rare double appearance uh where scar joe gets nominated for best lead for Marriage Story and Best Supporting for Jojo Rabbit, which is kind of interesting. Mm, so good call. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, what are we at? Number seven? Yeah. Is that what I'm at? Number seven. Uh, Laura Linney. Laura Linney is uh, the light of my life, as far as <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite actresses of all time. Uh, she's great in everything she's in, uh, and she's in a lot of things. So um, yeah, if you don't know uh, Laura Linney, her her first role was Lorenzo's Oil. Which is an Academy Award winning film. Um, then she was in Searching for Bobby Fisher, which was also a well-known movie. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but you will also know her from Primal Fear. She's in The Truman Show. Uh, she's in The Laramie Project, The Mothman Prophecies, Mystic River. Uh, what else we got? We got a lot of good ones. Uh, the Savages, for which she was nominated for an Academy Award. She's in The Other Man. Uh, what else we got? The Fifth Estate, which was a good film. Sully, Nocturnal Animals. Uh, she is also, if, if you, if you watch Ozark, she is Wendy Bird. Yeah, she's in The Big C, which was a great film, or sorry, great show. Um, yeah, uh, great actress, Laura Linney, big fan. Always, uh, interested in things that she's in. She's been nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, for Best Actress. She was nominated in t- 2000 for You Can Count On Me, as well as 2007 for The Savages. And she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in twenty in two thousand four. Sorry, for Kinsey, uh, which I have never seen. Uh, one of her best roles, I guess. But hmm. fair enough. Liam Neeson's in it. Ah, big fan. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my number seven is more of a uh, Ooh, Tim Curry, more of a shock factor that she doesn't have one, hmm. so to speak. Okay. Uh, well, we'll number number seven, Judy Garland. Hmm. Um, the name is kind of synonymous with early, you know, actresses. Um, in terms of you know, performance, Drink, drinking beer skill. Oh. Uh, the Wizard of Oz obviously got things kicking for her. Uh, uh, presenting Lily Mars, Meet Me in St. Louis, uh, the Harvey Girls. Um, just, I'm not going to sit here and say I've seen all these films in their entirety, but notable films that uh, you know should strike a chord with with movie fans. And Big it, judo, it, exactly. Yeah, judo. Um, she was in the original A Star Is Born. I should add to kind of help uh, bridge mm-hmm. the gap to to current. Uh, moviegoers current so yeah. yeah number seven judy garland just just honestly just kind of shocked she doesn't have one yeah so what uh what an angel yeah. uh my number i guess six now uh laura dern hmm. laura dern who we've my talked six about is also laura dern Ooh, nice so let's get this out of the way talked about her a couple times on the podcast laura dern is um the best she she's good stuff it, it's kind of ridiculous to think um that her first role was in 1980 now, like, you know, I don't think of her as a young actress, but, I mean, she is only 52, and she's been acting for 40 years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's pretty wild. But, yeah, Laura Dern is great. It's no question that she's very good at what she does by now, because she's been doing it for so long, despite the fact that, again, she's only 52. Um, she was in Jurassic Park, oh, yeah. which uh, I'm sure most of you have seen. Um, she was in Jurassic Park 3. Not Jurassic Park 2. Uh, she's also in I Am Sam. Uh, we Don't Live Here Anymore. Little Fockers, which is a classic. Um, it was more so in the 2010s, though, I think, where Laura Dern really solidified herself as a as a very serious, um, accomplished actress, I would say. Uh, which begins in 2012 when she's in The Master. She was in The Fault in Our Stars in 2014. Wild in 2014, which was, a, I believe, an Academy Award-winning film. Uh, the Founder in 2016. Good movie. Big fan. Um, Downsizing, which was kind of, you know, mixed reviews. Uh, she was in Marriage Story. She's also well-known for a lot of her television work as well. A main character in F is for Family, which is a pretty well-reviewed show at this point. She's in Big Little Lies, is a very main character there. She was in the reboot of Twin Peaks. Uh, in which uh, she is also quite good. So, um, yeah, Laura Dern, big fan. Shout out for uh, her performance in Star Wars Last Jedi. Uh, oh, no, I'm honest. Yeah, like, I, f- I forgot she was in that. That's on, why I'm on, laughing on, that I missed that. Seriously, though, I, I didn't love the movie. I thought she was great in it. Um, came in, played a, a brand new character, and uh, really, really good performance in that I'll, I'll add that to the list of, of things she's done in the last you know 10 years so. yeah uh she was nominated in 1992 for best actress for rambling rose as well as 2015 for wild um it's also worth noting that she is the daughter of psychotic character in once upon a time in hollywood bruce dern <laughs> talking a lot about the derns on today's episode there you go yeah uh, she did win the Golden Globe for her work in Marriage Story as well. This year. Yeah. So. Look at Bruce Dern. Just look at that guy. Yeah. This is crazy. No, I've, I've, I've seen him. It's <laughs> the best. Love that fucking guy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. My number six, Austin Laura Dern. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number five, Tony Collette. Uh, Tony Collette is also 
the best. If you are not familiar with Toni Collette, I guess her most recent claim to fame would probably be that she is the mother in the box office hit Hereditary. I'm sure a lot of you saw Hereditary. Uh, she is in that, uh, loses her mind. She's great in it. Uh, she was also nominated for an Academy Award in 2000 for her work in 1999's The Sixth Sense, uh, in which she is not in a lot of the movie, I guess, considering she's the mom of the child, but um, definitely is quite an important character, I would say, in that movie. Uh, Shaft, she's also in the in the 2000 version of Shaft. Uh, she's in Little Miss Sunshine, which is a classic. Yeah, and recently she's she's done quite a bit of work. Um, she's in Knives Out this year as well, which, uh, again, I, I, I was blown away by her in it. I thought she was great. She's also, uh, in terms of television work, she was in the miniseries Unbelievable, which was on Netflix uh, that's been nominated for Golden Globes. She was great in that. And, uh, yeah, Toni Collette is my number five. Fantastic. Um... Oh, I guess I should mention uh, her Academy nominations. Only the one for The Sixth Sense. Hmm. That's it. Best Sporting Actress 20, uh, 2000. Fair enough. My number she f- lost to some idiot by the name of Hilary Swank. No, Angelina Jolie. My number five uh, is Michelle Williams, hmm. uh, known for her 1995 appearance on Home Improvement as Wilson's girlfriend. <laughs> How old would she have been? <laughs> I, I believe she plays Wilson's girlfriend's daughter what? in the episode. Um, because, yeah, that makes no, more you're, sense. You're right. She would have been 14, what? I think. <laughs> yeah, she's like 35 now. I think she's 39. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, Michelle Williams. Uh... That was 25 years ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plays Wilson's girlfriend. Wow, that show had some issues. Maybe we didn't realize. Hey, Fucking Wilson we were too busy laughing. I don't wonder he's hiding this his movie face all the kind time. Of fucked up. I don't get the public image there. Kind of fucked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Michelle Williams. Another uh, another callback now to Shutter Island. Uh, she's in that. Uh, loved that. Manchester, oh, yeah. Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I thought I thought she stole the show. Um, uh, she's really good in that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know, I know Casey Affleck won the Oscar, uh, but I I really loved Michelle Williams in that movie. She I, was really I, good I, in I that. I feel like the... I can't remember who she lost to, but I feel like it was like a tough loss. Like hmm. like it was like. You know what I mean? Like someone where it was just like they were going to win no matter what. I can't remember who it was, though. Are you able to get that? I'm just working on that right now. Uh, she lost to Viola Davis for Fences. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter if Michelle Williams like lived in a cave studying for a role for like seven years. Viola Davis was winning that year. Yeah. There's nothing... One of the best acting performances ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, Michelle Williams is, is definitely good. Okay. Definitely good stuff. Yeah. I'd like to see more of her, kind of. Yeah. You know. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I like her. Um, My number... Where, where am I at? Number four? My number four is uh, Canadian sweetheart, Rachel McAdams from London, Ontario. Hmm. Shout out to the London Knights. Um, yeah. She's in, uh, she's in Mean Girls. You might have heard of it. She's in The Notebook. You may have seen it. Uh, she's in Wedding Crashers. Been talked about a time or two. Then she's in Red Eye. Then The Family Stone. Like, those are five movies in a row. There are no, There's no fat in there. That's that's. There's no fluff. Those are all hits. State of Play, Sherlock Holmes, Time, Time Traveler's Wife, Midnight in Paris, although I 
don't like Woody Allen, it's it's a fine movie. Uh, a Most Wanted Man. Uh, she's in Spotlight. Um, she's in Game Night, which, in my opinion, one of the funniest comedies of the of the decade. I would say it, it's a great movie. Uh, she was nominated for one Academy Award for all of those beautiful, beautiful performances. I, it's kind of surprising she didn't get one for The Notebook. Maybe it's more of a hindsight thing. I don't know if that movie was quite as big at the time. But, uh, good movie. She did not get nominated. She got nominated once, 2016, for Spotlight. She deserved that nomination. Hmm. But she didn't win an Academy Award for it. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, what number are we at here now? You're at four. Number four. Uh, my number four is Jessica Chastain. Hmm. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I watched Molly's Game recently. I know this is a movie that came out a few years ago. But I watched it as background noise to fall asleep to. <laughs> it sucked me in, and I was up all night. I was up till 3.30 in the morning watching this damn movie. Um, really surprised me. Really blew me away. I loved her in that, obviously. Bit of recency bias, for sure. But even going back, uh, Interstellar. I was a big fan of that film. Christopher Nolan directed that. Um, thought she was really good. Uh, the Martian, she appears in that. Uh, I guess she likes her space themes. I'm not sure. Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, really strong performance in that. Nominated for uh, lead actress uh, in 2013 for that one. Losing to Kate uh, Blanchett from Blue Jasmine. Um, and I think... No, not this year. Uh, I, was gonna, I thought she was up for something this year. But uh, she's not. So I'm going to stop talking about that because I don't know what I'm talking about. So mm -hmm. uh, Jessica Chastain. Uh, I'm a fan. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it at the end because I forgot who you were talking about that whole time. Ah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is my number three. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is the only person on my list, and she's number three, uh, that has never been nominated for an Academy Award of any kind. Now, that is likely very soon to change, as she's likely going to get nominated for two awards. I guess tomorrow the, the announcements come out, I think? I think it's the 14th. Uh, in any well, case, I will defer to you on that one. In any case, uh, she is a great actress who I gotta tell you, I, I kind of think maybe Scarlett Johansson. I, if she didn't already fire her agent, she probably should have earlier because uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a new agent's finally getting her some some good interviews and stuff like that. I understand she wanted to do some Marvel roles, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is an actress with all the talent in the world, and it's kind of remarkable that she has never won an Academy Award. Uh, if you are not familiar with Scarlett Johansson, I can't believe I have to say that. Uh, she was in Lost in Translation in 2003, which was a very highly uh, acclaimed movie. She was great in it. Uh, she was in The Island. She was in The Black Dahlia. She's in The Prestige, which is one of my favorite movies. She's in The Other Bolin Girl, which is a hilarious title for a movie. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. He's just not that into you. We bought a zoo, did you now? Um, Hitchcock, she's in her as a voice role. Uh, Hail Caesar. <laughs> did you now? Uh, and she's in Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, for which she will rightfully so uh, get nominated for an Academy Award and hopefully win one. We bought a zoo. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, that's good. We bought a zoo. Yeah, I don't need to hear about it, though. Alright, my number three. We're in top three here. Top three. My number three, uh, Amy Adams. Um, known, of course, for her 2000 appearance on the 70s show as Cat Peterson. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't know that, did you? No, come on. 
<laughs> yeah, she's that chick. <laughs> That's that, not her. That hides trying to. No, make I know who Cat Peterson is. Cat yeah. <laughs> Peterson's a '70s show legend. That's Burn not her. Down the house. Oh my god, that's yeah. her. She has changed her look like three times in the last twenty years. That's it's insane. Uh, yeah, Amy Adams, Vice, uh, Arrival, Lullaby, American Hustle, Her, Man of Steel, The Master. The Everyone's Muppets, in her. The fighter, let's go. Julie and Julia. Oof. I'm going to stop there because if I keep going, it's just going to get emotional. So that's it. Number three, Amy Adams. Do it. Okay. Do it. Um, She's been nominated six fucking times. Never won. Oh, don't worry. I'll get there. Uh, Number two is Glenn Close. Hey, my number two is uh, Glenn Close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I'm going to make a joke here and I, I don't mean any disrespect to her. But Glenn Close is, in a way, the poor man's Meryl Streep. Like, she's almost every bit as good and doesn't get rewarded for it at all. Um, it's kind of insane, to be honest with you, that she has never never slipped one past the goalie in all these years. But um, she's been nominated for seven Academy Awards, Best Supporting Actress three years in a row for The World According to Garp, what? Uh, the Big Chill, and The Natural. Then she was nominated four times for Best Actress. For Fatal Attraction in 1988, for Dangerous Liaisons in 1989, for Albert Nobbs in 2012, I've never even heard of that, and uh, 2019 for The Wife. She is a very good actress. Um, Dangerous Liaisons is a classic. And I kind of thought she was going to win for The Wife last year, I'm not going to lie. Not that she would have been my vote, I would have voted Olivia Coleman, and Olivia Coleman won, but... You know, I kind of figured that that was her award to lose, and somehow she didn't win it. So I don't know, like, if Glenn Close is maybe just, like, this super woke person, and they're afraid of her, like, going up there and making this, like, crazy political speech. But I gotta tell you, you keep giving awards to, like, Francis McDormand and, and Patricia Arquette that just go up there and call us all stupid for three minutes. So, don't get me wrong, I love it. Um, I'd let Patricia Arquette call me stupid every year for, at the award show. But, um, yeah. It's just, it's shocking. She plays uh, Mona Simpson in The Simpsons. I didn't know that. Uh, I rem- I know exactly the episode that that is, but I didn't... She's in 10, apparently. Didn't know yeah. that that... Well, I guess later on they bring Mona Simpson oh, back, but there is one uh, big episode in the early going that Mona Simpson is in. Yeah. I had no idea she's in The Simpsons. Uh, Glenn Close, of course, her all-time greatest performance... Being the 1997 film Air Force One, in which she plays the first lady as Harrison Ford. Get these terrorists off my plane! She's the blue fairy in Pinocchio. Listen here, Pinocchio. Um, Geppetto, stop making it at the Wooden Boys! Jeppo! Good old Jeps. Um, my number one is Kat Peterson, otherwise known as Amy Adams. Uh, she's been nominated for six Academy Awards, has won none, and maybe the only person on the list that I feel strongly should have probably won in more than one case over the person that won, but that's fine. We're not going to be bitter about it. Uh, she was great in, in Vice. 
Sharp Objects is a show, but it's it's something else, man. Like you, you got to watch it if you've never seen it. She's amazing in Nocturnal Animals. She's great in Arrival. She's great in everything she does. Uh, American Hustle, incredible. You might also know her while we're talking about some of her hilarious early appearances. I see your cat Peterson, and I I raise you Susan in Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if it beats Cat Peterson, but it's that's hilarious. Another weird one to think about. Like it's just weird. I know these people have to start off somewhere. It's just weird. She dates Jim Halpert in The Office. Hmm. Like it's just it's weird okay. to think about because she kind of looks like Pam a little bit. Oh. You know, good to know. Yeah, I don't watch that show. Yeah, well, you know who Pam is. Yeah, Jenna Fisher. Yeah, um, yeah. She's also credited as gorgeous woman in Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. No, not wrong. You gotta <coughs> gotta start somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number one, Rachel McAdams. Oh I, I, yeah, I forgot you had a number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. You said enough. I think uh, for me, all the films you mentioned, Wedding Crashers, you know, Time Traveler's Wife. I don't even know what else you mentioned there notebook but uh she no she had some, she had some other ones that i was a fan of state of play sherlock holmes i'm, I'm a fan of the, the sherlock holmes stuff uh, midnight in paris was a good film but uh the one for me and i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna i'm gonna die on this hill um rachel mcadams should have won the uh what year is this now 2015 oscar for her performance in spotlight See, but that would be the 2016 Oscars. No, it comes up here as 2015, the 88th Oscars. Oh, right. Okay. So who won over her? Uh, Alicia Vikander for uh, The Danish Girl. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. That's... that's Not to take away anything from Vikander, but like... She's from Gothenburg, Sweden. How dare you? For sure. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. That that should have been a thing. I don't know. Okay. That's, that's, That's the hill I die on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's... Until she gets one. Anyway. It's better to die if, if on a one. hill than... If she keeps making Game Night type movies, I don't know if she's ever going to get Well, back. I could get yeah. into that, though. Well, I'm fine with the film. Uh, I just don't I'll, know if she's going to get I'll the award. sacrifice it, yeah. to be honest with you. Fair. You know what? Honestly, if, if, if that movie weren't such a blatant spoof of David Fincher movies, it probably could have won stuff. But it was like a blatant, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fair. Like, right in your face. Uh, yeah. Fun fact, uh, Amy Adams also in The Muppets. True. So. Wait, we talked about that last time, the, the Muppets episode. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, we never did do that bonus episode, unfortunately. We did not. Just one small, quick piece of breaking news here to mention as we wrap up. The uh, Canada and U.S. ladies teams will play oh. a three-on-three scrimmage game uh, at the NHL All-Star game. So the women are coming back to the All Star Game, wow. Canada versus U.S. You know, I got to tell you, the NHL All Star, uh, the NHL is smart in the sense that rather than fixing the All Star Game, they're like, how about we just like include some other stuff, and it's not even about the NHL anymore, and maybe people will watch it. And I'm like, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah, we can't sign make the me game up. any more in- entertaining, so we're just going to add more shit to it. So. I'm in. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch that then. Yeah, no, I'm down. That's cool. Yeah, so cool. there. That's some some hockey news to end yeah, off I'm, this very Oscar laden uh, episode. Yeah, well, whatever. It's it's January. Listen, uh, like well, I'm apologizing. Yeah, just, like, like we told you last year. You know what? I could give a fuck about the NHL All Star Game. I watch movies in January, so for a month, this is a movie podcast. As far as I'm concerned, okay. Do what I want. Uh, that we'll is uh, that is reeled up uh, movie podcast for the week. Yeah. Um, 
I have been and will continue to be James Cole. You can find me uh, nowhere but Twitter. Um, not really worth the follow, if I'm being honest, but that's where I am. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm Brutes Pataglia from the North Side. You can find my stuff at the North Side. Uh, I am writing an article right now about grading uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and their seasons up to this point. Um, it is actually just going to be 3,000 words about how I hate the shape of water. So, the movie, not the actual shape of water. Yeah, it doesn't really have I'm not. I'm not insane. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the fish fucking movie. I'm fine with the way water looks. Okay. Yeah. Do you think they'll make a sequel for that one? I certainly hope not. As a big fan of Michael Shannon, I could go without that one. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll watch anything that guy does except The Shape of Water too. Wow, this podcast is long enough to be nominated for an Oscar. I should okay. have filmed it. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, if that's... Yeah, we could. Uh, All right. Stitcher. Oh, yeah. Spotify. Parker. Portugal Radio. See you later. Yeah. Vincent.